When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. Guys, I'm Mike Templeton. I think I stepped in something and tracked it in here. Oh, hey, it's Cody. Hi, Cody. Wow, that's the introduction. (laughs) I literally speechless. I am Cody Tuckett. I am Dirty Gum. Here we go, uh, Shopko Mike, the man with a thousand nicknames. Uh, Cody, we had such a uh, thank you for covering for me last week. Uh, we decided moving into this new uh, arc of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour uh, for season eight uh, that we were needed a little extra help to get through this show faster. So thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. As you know, I'm a big Red Sky proponent. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, somebody's got to be, right? I mean, I I feel like if everyone's not converted now, it's going to happen. You know, I I like it more than the regular, than most of the regular 87 series so far. All right, let's let's not get into spoiler territory. I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want to bury the lead, but (laughs) I'm liking it more so far. So, yeah, so if that wasn't clear, we are jumping into season eight, which is uh, known as the Red Sky season. Uh, or seasons, the, the last three seasons of the 87 TV show, uh, known for its drastic change in tone and design uh, for and most of the characters. And it's red sky <laughs> that doesn't ever go away. Um, this We've talked about this before, how the red sky was uh, directly addressing, you know, changes in the cartoon environment in, uh, during this time. Batman the Animated Series and X-Men the Animated Series specifically were huge hits by this time in 1980 or 1994. So the Turtles kind of a dying brand on at at this at this stage, like, you know, Turtle Mania was on the way out. They needed to do something. And so literally uh, an advertisement for season eight. Enough of this good guy stuff. Turtles (laughs) get tough this season. Yeah. I mean, and part of the, where we're at in the comics at this point, too. Yeah. So while you do that, part of the uh, big redesigns for the turtles uh, specifically are their heads. <laughs> like they are not nearly as rounded anymore. Yeah, they're very. I like that they're they're square. It's well, they're very like they're very like mirage esque. I agree. They even I have would, dare I, I say, say it like they, a two thousand three flavor to them. Yeah. Kind of, I definitely say they try to make them look more like the movie. And the 2003 series is also trying to look like the movie. And the movie was trying to look like the comics in the sense of like the the Lawson and 
Michael Dooney turtles, you know, the, well, the later well, evolution. Of design. The, these turtles, like when I say like, they're trying to look like Mirage S, like they have that like square head that Kevin would draw them with. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's about as far as that goes. Cause they, they, you know, they have pupils in their eyes and that looks a little weird. And, but they still have like their round bodies. They're, they're a little, little stockier now, I think too. Like they're not as lanky. Mm-hmm. And they are generally they they're a lot better in this season, like keeping the animation more consistent, at least. Yeah, I mean season season eight or uh, season season seven, the last one we just watched, like that was pretty consistent animation wise, um, including some of the best that we had seen in a long time. This yeah, they did, they did like there was this they slowly been ramping it up, and I've I've argued too like the tone as well, like they slow you could see they started changing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and we've talked about that before, like how David Wise kind of became like the main showrunner and the guy who was in charge of everything. And so now we're a hundred percent in David Wise territory. And one of the big things too is that like we have a very definitive arc for this season. Which yeah, there's and, like continuity from yeah, episode continuity is back. Yeah, yeah which we way. like which we very rarely have ever gotten throughout a season. Like we've had callbacks and you know, we talked about uh last last couple episodes where like you know they were referencing stuff from earlier seasons too like that was cool and so now this one like this is written very specifically with an arc in mind yeah it's across all the episodes yeah yeah it almost feels wrong almost it feels it feels really (laughs) weird yeah like you're watching the episodes and you're like i'm actually following this like i yeah, it was the first time in a minute. I still yeah. can follow it because it's yeah. Like it was like together. it was like the first time in a long time that I wanted to watch all four episodes in a row. <laughs> yeah, and like well, I didn't feel bad doing it. Yeah, no, there's even a part of me that was like, I don't know, maybe I'll just get started on next week's episodes. You know, just just see where this goes at the end. <laughs> yeah, of the let season. me just let me just finish the <laughs> yeah. season. Well, yeah. it's only eight episodes too. It's not like forty-seven that season three was. You know, it's, yeah. it's a lot more manageable. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to write for eight episodes than it is for forty-seven in a row. True. Yeah. <laughs> this is really. It's the Netflix season. That's what they. Netflix. Yeah. That, that, yeah really. this, is, this is the Netflix season of the of Ninja Turtles. So. Uh, I looked it up in comics. We're like smack dab in the middle of volume two, like between yeah. issues six and seven, and there's thirteen issues, so like cool. literally so, right in the middle of so it. So City of Wars already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ooh, good stuff. Oh, yeah, that, that breaks my brain to like put it in that context. Yeah, it's so I mean, weird. Yeah, we're already kind of digging into my second time around stuff, but yeah, there's no other turtles media besides this cartoon and the comic book, you know, the volume two comic book. Other than that, there's no video game, there's no movies, there's there's nothing. All right, well, we're we're on the the downstretch. The yeah, like I said, we're 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 end. at the end of this of the first era of Turtle Mania. So, uh, without further ado, let me tell you a story. Perhaps I can best explain the story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. Episode one of season eight, Get Shredder, written by David Wise. Original air date September seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Following the events of the previous episode and picking up several weeks later, the Ninja Turtles pick up a report on the police scanner of a sudden break-in that is being perpetuated by characters whose descriptions match Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady. Meanwhile, Krang informs Shredder that the site of the old 1964 World's Fair would make a great hideout for them. Krang believes that the pavilion housing the Hall of Science might still contain equipment 
they can use to conquer the world. At the site of the break-in, the turtles find footprints belonging to Krang's bubble walker and a brochure for the 1964 World's Fair. The turtles hustle over to the site just as Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady are about to take possession of the Hall of Science Pavilion, only to be greeted by a laser fire from Berserko, the current resident of the Hall of Science Pavilion. Shredder takes off and Krang gets captured by the turtles. When Berserko hears the name Krang, he orders his cyber drones to remove him from the turtles' possession. Later, when Shredder realizes that Krang is missing, Bebop and Rocksteady tell him the last time they saw him was when he was being grabbed by the turtles. Berserko reveals himself to be Dracus, Krang's former weapons engineer who helped him design the Technodrome and whom Krang betrayed, blasted out of Dimension X, and whose homeworld he had destroyed. As a result, Dracus wants revenge on Krang. Unfortunately, Berserko's Annihilator is experiencing a malfunction. Berserko threatens to fry Krang unless he tells him how to fix it. Krang reluctantly agrees to help him. Shredder plants an explosive device in the basement of the Channel 6 building and threatens to blow it up unless the turtles rescue Krang from Berserko. One minute after Shredder's deadline, the turtles successfully rescue Krang. Relieved to see that the building is still standing, Raphael makes the mistake of suggesting that Shredder had been bluffing the whole time. With that, Shredder declares, I never bluff and blows the Channel 6 building to rubble. Enraged at the seeming demise of their friends and Burn and Vernon, the Turtles attack Shredder and company, defeat them, and tie them up. But unfortunately, rather than delivering them to the police, they have no choice but to leave them because Berserko's Annihilator is now up and running and destroying Manhattan. After successfully defeating Berserko, the Turtles escape with the new villain in tow as the Annihilator plunges into the Hudson River and explodes upon impact. Back at the site of the former Channel 6 building, the Turtles discover Shredder and company gone, naturally. Shredder sliced the ropes and he and his mutants hit the road. They're grief-stricken over the loss of April and Irma, but then April and company get, turn up alive and well, much to their relief. Luckily, Splinter had rescued April, Irma, Vernon, and Burn just moments before the building exploded. Unfortunately, Burn blames the Turtles for the building's destruction and other disasters caused by Shredder and his gang and vows to get even with them. However, April replies that no matter what, the Turtles will continue fighting to defend New York from the forces of evil, especially Shredder. And that brings us to my story, Wrath of the Rat King, Episode 2 of Season 8. Uh, it was written by David Wise and released September 24th of 1994. And this week's summary will be brought to you by... Turtlepedia, once again, I am sorry. Anyway, the Turtles attack the Hall of Science, Shredder's new hideout, as we know, in an effort to flush out Shredder and Krang, but they're driven back by Bebop and Rocksteady using lasers and a catapult. To get rid of the Turtles, Shredder seeks out the Rat King and offers him a deal, a new type of mutagen for his rats if he destroys the Turtles. So when the Turtles return to their lair in dejection, they're greeted with an enraged Rat King, who blows out one of their walls and sweeps them away on a tidal wave of water. Presuming them dead or defeated, he goes off to get the mutagen. Meanwhile, Kring has been contacting General Trag in Dimension X and learns the bad news about the Technodrome. It's stuck in a black hole, and nothing in Berserko's lab could get it out. So Krang orders Trag to send him to the Shockwave, a powerful weapon kept in the Technodrome, but because of the gravity anomalies, it ends up landing in a street 
and being mistaken for a bomb by the police. Desperate to get the shockwave back, Krang has the idea of mutating Rat King's rats and using them to burrow into police headquarters. After seeing another slanderous Channel 6 broadcast, the Turtles are depressed. Leonardo and Donatello have begun to think that they are causing as much trouble as they stop, and that, having to stop the Rat King, Bebop, and Rocksteady in the same day, they may have lost their heroic touch. When they tell Splinter that they may not bother stopping Shredder and Krang, an enraged Splinter vows to go himself if they won't. The giant rats are formidable enemies for the turtles, nearly collapsing a building on them, but fortunately Donatello still has his retro mutagen ray and goes to fetch it. Once the police station has been invaded, the Rat King betrays his allies and steals the shockwave for himself, blasting the ground open under the turtles. Unfortunately, Donatello is able... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Fortunately, Donatello is able to grab the retro mutagen ray and return the rats to normal. They manage to stop the Rat King and destroy Shockwave. They manage to grab the Rat King and destroy the Shockwave, which April successfully records. As the story ends, April breaks the news of the Turtles' heroic actions on live TV, which causes an enraged burn to demand she now work in the mailroom. The end. Interesting stuff. All right, next episode is my episode, Cyber Turtles. Uh, this summary is brought to you by Turtlepedia. Turtlepedia, for when you can't plan ahead. All right, so the turtles thwart an attempted break-in while April tapes them, hoping to prove once again that they're on the side of law. April is dubious about their chances of changing Byrne's mind. Just then, her boss calls with news of a surprising crime, the theft of a rare telescope, the Astro Viewer, from the National Space Exploration Center. The only clue to what happened is a trail of peculiar tracks on the road outside, which turn out to be the doing of Shredder and Krang. Krang hopes to use the Astro Viewer to open a dimensional portal, but just then he discovers a Galaxon Starfighter flying past Earth. He's able to break into their transmission and learns that they have recently defeated their enemies and now have possession of the Firestar, which will make them the undisputed masters of the universe. Krang is delighted by this news as the Firestar is an ancient artifact that he believed mythical. He believes he can use it to rule the cosmos if he can get it from the aliens. He shoots down their ship, which the turtles spot as it plummets towards the Earth. Just after the crash, Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady arrive, use a stun grenade to paralyze the Galaxons, and steal the Firestar. The turtles arrive just as the grenade's effects wear off, and the loss of the Firestar is uncovered. The Galaxons immediately attack them and end up capturing them. The Trolls try to explain that they only came to make sure that nobody was hurt and that they are friends. Commander Korax explains that the Galaxons have, have no friends and orders them thrown into a cell. April spots the Galaxons departing the ship and realizes that the Turtles have been captured. She gets her, her best friend in the whole world, Casey Jones, to help her get the Firestar back so that she can bar barter it for the turtle's freedom. Meanwhile, Krang exults that possessing the Firestar means that he doesn't need a portal since he can simply eradicate the dimensional barriers altogether. The Galaxons fear that someone is jamming their sensors as they cannot locate the Firestar, so they don their cyber suits, which are jumpsuits that transform into giant mechanical robot bodies the size of buildings. 
After witnessing their transformation through a porthole, Donatello uses his shiny belt buckle to short out the lasers imprisoning them. The turtles grab four more cyber suits and are also encased in giant robots that follow their physical movements. They find the Galaxons tearing the city apart to find the Firestar and begin fighting the aliens. However, they are hampered by a lack of functioning weapons as Donatello has no idea how to activate all the lasers and missiles each suit has. April and Casey arrive at the Hall of Science just as Krang starts to dissolve the dimensional barriers. She contacts Leonardo with news of what's happening, and the turtles split into two teams. Donatello and Raphael are going to fight the Galaxians, while Michelangelo and Leonardo will stop Krang from merging the two dimensions. Rather than waiting on the turtles, Casey and April head up to a neighboring tower and slide down a rope onto a rooftop. Unfortunately, Shredder and his mutant gangs are Shredder and his mutants are waiting, and Casey and Shredder soon engage in a sword fight, but Shredder comes out the victor. Just then, Leonardo and Michelangelo arrive in their building-sized mechas and are able to easily shrug off the attacks of their enemies. Leonardo attempts to hold back the ships from coming through the dimensional rift, while Michelangelo strands Shredder on a tower top. However, Krang aims the Firestar Energized Laser at Michelangelo, damaging his suit and causing it to shrink back down. Raphael and Donatello take on the Galaxons, but they're now outnumbered and severely outgunned. Donatello finally figures out how to arm the weapon systems, and they're able to destroy the other cyber suits and capture the aliens inside. Casey and April break into the room where Krang is keeping the Firestar, and Casey one-hit KOs Krang's bubble walker while April takes the crystal. The ray cuts off, and the dimensional rift closes. Leonardo then rips the ceiling open and knocks aside Shredder and his mutants, then departs with Casey, April, and Michelangelo in his giant hands. The Galaxons expect to be killed after being defeated, and are shocked when the turtles give them mercy. However, Leonardo, Leonardo declares that the Firestar is too dangerous to be in anyone's possession, and Korak agrees to destroy it in the core of the galaxy. The turtles help fix the alien ship, and the Galaxons fly, fly off in their mission to destroy the Firestar. However, Splinter is worried about what may happen because of this, because there are many aliens who might try and steal the Firestar. And if someone does, they may, they just might hear from the Galaxons again. The end. Alrighty. So, apparently my episode was episode four, which is news to me. <laughs> um, don't trust the DVD, kids. It'll betray you. Um, oh, I'm going to talk about that in my anchovies. <laughs> trust me. I have a story. I'll save it. But... We go to The State of Shock, written by David Wise. It came out October 1st, 1994. We open on a group of ninjas infiltrating some kind of stronghold. They are going after an energy source. The turtles burst onto the scene to confront the ninjas in battle. The turtles win the day and manage to get half of the map the ninjas were holding, as they promise the turtles will face the fury of Megavolt. The turtles have no idea who Megavolt is, and take the map back to the lair so Donatello can use his decoding equipment on it. We cut to the turtles watching Vernon reporting on the ninja attack, the third of that night, blaming it on the city's most notorious criminals, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The turtles are eager to clear their name and figure out what the ninjas are up to. Emeryville and Green Power are the two words Donatello is able to decipher. Green Power is a new alternative energy company. On their way out of the sewers, they run into Wesley Knight, Colonel of the U.S. Armed Forces. The turtles make quick work of the Colonel and his men. They see the label Dark Water on their equipment. The Turtles call April to ask her about Darkwater. She informs them Darkwater trains the Army's top commandos and makes super high-tech military weapons. She happened to date one of their scientists a while back. 
The turtles are at the green power building trying to stop another ninja heist. They follow the ninjas to their headquarters. Meanwhile, April is at the makeshift Channel 6 headquarters and burns an- and Byrne informs her there has been a break-in at the Green Power Building. Blaming it again on the Turtles, he orders April to check it out. The Turtles have tracked the ninjas to an aircraft hangar where they eavesdrop on the ninjas delivering a high-capacity battery to a masked, robosized villain, apparently Megavolt. Leonardo decides to barge right in and confront Megavolt. Megavolt is stunned the Turtles know who he is as Leonardo asks to join his organization, taking credit as the city's most notorious criminals. They challenge his best ninjas to battle, but Megavolt decides to test them himself. Megavolt easily overwhelms the turtles with his electric powers. He can turn power into matter. Fighting together, the turtles are finally able to overwhelm Megavolt, and Megavolt accepts the turtles as his ninjas. Megavolt then orders his ninjas, including the turtles, on a new heist to obtain something he has been seeking for months. Meanwhile, April is interviewing the security guard, who is showing her none other than Raphael's sigh lodged in the door. Has April been wrong about the turtles all along? The Megavolt Ninja Turtles break into a furniture company. April tries calling them, but they ignore the message. She gets a call from Byrne informing her that a silent alarm has been tripped at the DW Furniture Company and orders her to check it out. By the way, April somehow has an amazing futuristic red sports car. In the furniture company, the Turtles discover the item they are after is a block of super concentrated energy. They are confronted by Colonel Knight, who engages the Turtles in battle. April arrives on the screen to see the Turtles fighting the armed forces along with the ninjas. The Turtles escape in smoke with the ninjas. The Turtles and Ninjas deliver the energy block to Megavolt, who reveals his hideously scarred face and secret identity of Alex Winter. Accepting the energy, he grows his power levels and a new bug-like suit of armor which flows with electrical powers. He can now easily generate weapons to shoot at the Turtles as he begins his rampage through the city to enact revenge. As they pursue him, the Turtles realize the DW and DW Furniture Company may stand for dark water. The Turtles call April, hoping she will do some digging, but April reveals that she saw the Turtles committing crimes with the Ninjas. She is furious. The turtles are then set upon by Colonel Winters and his men. He surrounds our slippery reptiles. The turtles surrender. Back at Bootleg Channel Six, April is filling. Back at Bootleg Channel Six, April is filling Verma in on the events. April is worried the turtles have gone mad, and if she helps them with the top secret dark water information, she'll be betraying her own country. Byrne informs them a giant electric insect is rampaging through the city. Verma instantly tries to gaslight him that he's wrong. Meanwhile, Colonel Knight is interrogating the Turtles, and he reveals that Alex Winter was the greatest agent Darkwater had, who made the ultimate sacrifice for his country. The Turtles try to tell Colonel Knight that Winters has gone mad, but he would rather let them rot than hear more of their story. The Turtles are now locked up and need April's help. Luckily, she calls them with a breakthrough she's made about Alex Winter. She apologizes for doubting them and says she'll have the Turtles out in a few minutes. Meanwhile, Megavolt is busy flipping buses. April bursts onto the scene and presents evidence of Operation Ultimate to Colonel Winters, informing him the test subject of a previous operation to build the ultimate weapon, Operation Ultimate, was Alex Winters. Operation Ultimate was previously thought of as a failure, but actually was successful. It gave Winters the power to create charged matter from his fingertips, but left him hideously scarred. With a super energy source, he is out for revenge against Darkwater. Colonel Knight directs the Turtles to the research facility where Operation Ultimate was carried out and lets the Turtles go pursue Megavolt. Megavolt breaks into the research facility with the Turtles and Colonel Winter's men close behind. Megavolt has set a bomb to blow up the facility, and there's a three-minute timer. Megavolt is impervious to the soldiers' weapons. The Turtles form a plan to lure Megavolt to a water tower. He crushes it and douses himself with water, short-circuiting the armor. Leo cuts off the energy source, and Megavolt is left powerless. Donnie shoots the bomb into the air, successfully detonating it. Colonel Winters is convinced the Turtles are on the side of good and lets the Turtles escape, having a feeling he will hear from the Turtles again as April promises to clear the turtle's name with the city. The end. What a strong start to season eight. Yeah, I actually agree with that.
So let's oh. second time around these puppies. Hey, uh, nice junk. Episode one, get Shredder. Get Shredder. Uh, I think first we got to talk about this new opening. Yeah, right? we got to talk about this theme song. <laughs> guys, it's Teenage, good. Mutant, Ninja, <laughs> Turtles. What the original theme song needed was not to be slower. I'm just going to put that out it's, there. It's, yeah, it's, it's luckily very, my least favorite now. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is my least favorite Ninja Turtles theme song. <laughs> Uh, once they break into turtle power, I'm. I'm, I'm I, I was gonna say, like, I kind of want to hit that high note, <laughs> but <laughs> as soon as I'm not sick anymore, I'm doing it. We're, we're right. gonna sing it, boys. We're gonna record uh, it. I, I, I got it too, but I just while you guys were recording, I accidentally like took a sip of a drink and it went down the wrong pipe. Oh so yeah, like, of course. Along the whole of course. Time. Sure, sure, sure. You got my computer virus. Is what happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that the only words they changed though was just. Turtles fight back instead of don't cut them no slack. Yeah. Like, that, it's like when it, it's evil the same Treader words. attacks, turtles fight back. It's also just like the animation's kind of boring. Like it's clearly just what they had from the first two episodes <laughs> cut in with the 1990s movie for some yeah, reason. Which is I do like how quick weird. and flashy like the, the movie cuts are. Yeah. It's really, like it's, and it's like, it's like random scenes from the first movie. Um, I mean, a lot of it are from like the brawl in the street scene at the end, but it's like, it, it's just really weird. It's weird to be only 1994 and still already nostalgic for the 1990 movie. Well, I think cause like at that point, like this, the 1990 movie is still the highest grossing independent movie of all time. Like I think that's true, but there's been, there's been two other movies in the last four years with diminishing returns. So the first movie is also the only one visually dark enough that it actually pairs with like how (laughs) that's very true. That's very true. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. They would have had to like color correct the other two. I think they were just somehow trying to like make it piggyback off the success of the movie by like correlating the two being like, look, it's, it's like that movie. It like now the cartoons like the movie. See guys. Yeah, aren't you? Yeah, Berserko, just like the movie, just like yeah, the just movie, like, and Krang, and and Technodrome, and Dimension X, Rock Soldiers, just like the movie, just like the movie. Yeah, I am not a fan. Um, I don't know where exactly it sits on my list, but it's not high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's ultimately a pretty forgettable theme song. We'll talk about that in the next section. Uh, the final appearance of the Channel Six building. Yeah. yeah kind of makes sense for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's like more, it is more violent than, than it's been before. Like you straight up have like, I don't know. I feel like you have a whole lot more punching, a whole lot more like, you know, There's stakes, threats, and things like that. a ton of sword fighting in. in this, in this episode. Yeah. yeah I think in, injuries. I like, think in yeah. all four of them that Leonardo gets in a sword fight with someone, which has not yeah. happened. I mean, the, that's the same amount of sword fights he's gotten in this whole series. Yeah. In these four episodes. Yeah. Like it, like it's such it. I want to say it's like a very, it, it'll give you whiplash. It's so tonally different mm-hmm. from the last series. Like you can feel this show being different. Yeah. Well, like it even like feels like there's stakes, you know, and granted they, they do that a lot with having the shredder being like, I never bluff, you know, and then actually blowing up the channel six building. It's like, Oh, he's actually doing stuff now. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, because like, before he'd get like a hot dog would knock the bomb out of his hand or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. You remember that, you, there was that one episode you, where they turn off the lights and he fled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me yeah, wonder, like, has he ever bluffed? Much. Is that a consistent character trait that he's never bluffed before? I can't believe, I can't believe in this whole show that he's never bluffed before. I yeah. Like I, I, I'm going to call, I'm going to call shenanigans on that one. Shredder. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of uh, the Shredder, uh, we have our new Shredder voice actor, Bill Martin, who's taking over from uh, Townsend and is going to be playing him for the rest of the show. Uh, what'd you guys think? I think he's all right. You know, I, I got used it's to it after the it, first episode. Yeah, it feels a little forced if yeah. you really if you really listen to it like too in depth. But I think it's generally good. I do not like it. Yeah, I, I do. Th- I think even when it was James Avery, though, it sounds a little forced. Like, I think the Shredder's voice has always sound forced in this series, but it was less so with James Avery. It is more so. Yeah. Now. It, it sounds, sounds like, like he's, he's trying to do a James Avery, but he can't, he can't quite get there comfortably. So he has to like, yeah. Really and I, that's the problem that like Townsend Coleman had too, is that like everybody, everybody and Dorian Haywood, when he was doing Shredder, like everybody was trying to do James Avery. Yeah, it's like uh, you just clench your butt in your throat enough and you'll get there, right? Can we have an example? <laughs> I'll get you, turtles! That's pretty good. I, I never bluff. Yeah, see? I never bluff. Yeah. You put a, little, put a little metallic twang in that so it sounds like I'm talking through a metal mask. And you yeah, there it. you go. Right? Yeah. Really irritate those vocal cords. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, you know, bad enough in my throat already, so... You gargled with some sand beforehand. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, not a not a fan on my end. I feel like it's it's very strained and forced. Um, yeah, I, I think this show really lost something when they lost James Avery. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because was wasn't was he going to Fresh Prince at this time? I can't remember when Fresh Prince started. I know we've talked about this before. But I can't remember. I know it was definitely the '90s because of the the style of the clothing and everything everyone's wearing in the show. It was definitely the '90s. Well, yeah, <laughs> we can point to that Fresh Prince was around. Yeah, uh, Fresh Prince started in 1990, though. So I don't know. Oh, in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe wow. by this time he was like big time and like he was, you know. Yeah, 90 to 96. So I, I would think. Huh. You know crazy james uh, i think says, he does a good enough job though like after i mean i at least any glaring difference i i can quickly get over i gotta assume that uh april's news van and her news scooter were in the channel six building destroyed because she now uh has her own car that sweet sports car that sweet yeah. red sports car it's a turbo vet which kind of everyone i was noticing like i thought it was just april but kind of everyone has like rad sports cars well, it was the, it was the mask effect, you know. True. All I the mean, yeah. the M A S K, you know, the those those no, mask cars. Yeah. <laughs> no, capital A, capital A. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> not not the Jim Carrey mask, but yeah, the, not the Jim yeah. Carrey mask. Uh, but you know, Matt Tracker and those uh those guys. Not me trying to look up what mask stood for. Marmal Mobile Armored Strike Command. Those guys. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what that is. I'm, it's I'm, oh man. It's it was a it was a toy it was a toy line in the eighties. We're like, you know, you do you it's know Goldie Joe, but they have super powered masks. 
No, it yes, but it was it was more their vehicles were. But it was also thing. their masks. I mean, yeah, they wore the masks. Like Optimus Prime on steroids. Okay, have you ever have you ever played with the toy of like the DeLorean from Back to the Future? Uh, no, no but I do know what the DeLorean looks like and what okay. it's like. Well, hang on. So you have to have played with it because every kid in the eighties, when you flip up the doors, those gold wing doors, those oh, became shit. wings when you were playing with it. And you're like, ah, oh, this it, is cool. It looks like if Hot Rod transformed into the DeLorean. Yeah, that's what mask was basically. So you had cars that would turn like the, you know, the main car was like a, a Corvette with gold wing doors that flipped up and the, and the car flew. And so mm. there was a whole toy line of cars that did stuff like that. There was a big rig and stuff like that. Apparently IDW had the mask property at some point. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It was part of like the whole GI Joe, like Hasbro Hasbro owns a mask and is like, has been trying to work it into GI Joe for years. So I, it could fit. I could see it. It could easily fit. It's just, it's another very wacky thing on top of an already kind of wacky thing. It's, it's, I guess it looks like the glory days of the nineties where they're just like, they're, they just want to cash in on what else is popular. So like, what if we just jam it all together? Yeah. It's just GI Joe and transformers jammed into one property. Anyway, Spencer, it was a very cool thing. <laughs> just trying to think of what you'd call that. You know, would you call it like GI formers, trans Joe, trans Joe, trans Joe's trans, trans Jomers. Trans Jomers. All right. Do, do we have anything else for second time around for get shredder? Other than, uh, no. yeah, we would kind of covered at the beginning of the red sky well, season. No, let's go. April's also in a cool trench coat now. Oh, and I mean, I, yeah, April's, April's costume change. She's got she's got pupils now. She's got blue eyes. Yeah, well, she she has like you was saying, she has a trench coat at the very beginning of the episode, and then later on just has like a jacket. So I like the like jacket, jacket look though. I, I like the jacket look better too. I like that they only redesigned April, the Turtles, Rat King, and Casey Jones, and left everyone else exactly the same. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, look like, weird at all. The rock soldiers <laughs> look so terrible. Yeah, they do. But they, Especially yeah, Trag. But, Trag looks awful. Like, Trag hasn't looked good since, you know, hot rotting teenagers. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah well, can't it, really, can't really say anything about that one. The other, the other weird thing, though, in Wrath of the Rat King is that, like, Splinter calls the turtles his wards. Like, just, just out of nowhere, he's just like, my wards. Yeah. Some orphans. Like, uh-huh. Well, I, I think that's part of like the general like tone change. Like they're really trying to find ways to like kind of mature the series and Ward sounds mature. It Has does. He ever called them my sons though. I don't think he's ever called them his sons in the 87 series. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I can't so recall either. But it is such just like a weird, like, especially if you raised them from like the time they were like babies, practically, it feels weird to just immediately be like, my wards, you know, well, I feel remember, like they grew up, they grew up straight into 30 year old men in this show. Well, we, we've were, seen them as baby turtles in this show. We've seen them turn. Well, we've seen them around. turned back into baby turtles. But in the flashback we saw, they grow straight up into adult turtles. Remember? I, I guess maybe if that's the case, then I, I guess the wards thing makes wards. it even weirder. 
he did train them also as yeah. his own like child soldier assassins. So, yeah, <laughs> what fatherly feelings are really there? I mean, the I feel like he taught them that to defend themselves in this series. Like they, he doesn't teach them. Like the only one that I, you can truly say he trained them to be child soldiers is the original comic book. Yeah, like, this one we know they were taught for self defense because that's why they were able to go all out against the robots. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They specifically say, good thing we were taught self-defense and never to attack somebody. <laughs> right. And that's why they don't go on the offensive after Shredder for, in these couple episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, uh, the, the thing that also happens in this is that like, it's settling more into its new tone and feel. Because like, the previous episode has like some jokes and things in it that feel like, like it kind of carried over from writing for season seven and previous, like in Get Shredder. Yeah. But this one it doesn't really have a lot of those moments and it feels like it's kind of settling into the tone of this new, new season. It's kind of, it's kind of like the get shredder is kind of a goodbye to that. Some of those old jokes, like Michelangelo very specifically says like cowabunga dude, like when he's got shredder pinned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, wrath of the rat King final appearance of that guy in the show. Which is too bad. I, I like his like fedora or not fedora. His like <laughs> that big hat. What's it? I don't even know what it's called. The trench coat and the hat. It looks really yeah. good on him. It's know? a good look. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's a look that they brought back in like the 2012 series. Yeah, and I like too that they got rid of his flute thing. Like he just controls rats now. You know, he had glowy eyes. That was cool. Yeah, he, was cool. his beautiful glow red eyes. Uh, the um, turtles say they have the retromutagen ray gun, but that was destroyed back in Revenge of the Fly. Yeah, and mm. the gun they use is like totally different. It's like a two-handed. Yeah, gun. it's like a, a rifle thing. Yeah. So, also, it also felt like it came out of nowhere. When oh wait, we're not in anchovies. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, let's see. I, the Titanodrome is stuck in a black hole, which is kind of odd. I didn't think things could get stuck in a black hole, but it's it's a cool little effect they have going on. I think on. it was like stuck between two of them, wasn't it? Or something like that? Wasn't it like it's like in between two of them or something? Uh, I, I might have missed that. I thought Trey just said we're stuck in a black hole. I mean, it wait. might just be a singular black hole. <laughs> yeah. I think when I was reading the summary that it did, I just did say black hole. So I don't um, know. I like the little bit of continuity that Vernon has previously complained that the turtles never save him. They always save like April and Irma. And now he's the one that's like running a smear campaign against them. Yeah. yeah he's full <laughs> on like Fox news, Vern. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's J Jonah Jameson, the turtles too. Right. Yeah. They really went, they went hard into that one for these arcs. Yeah. Like it's, it's nice to, it's kind of, it's fun to see the turtles is like treated like criminals and they have to actually, be wary of the streets and the cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what's so funny is that like, you know, we've spent years asking, you know, how are the turtles in this world? Like they go so often from like being public figures that everybody knows about to people not knowing who they are to, or to freaking out about them. And it's like, you would think that they've done enough, like after the big trilogy, you know, way back in season, whatever, like you would think that the turtles have kind of earned, you know, everybody's respect. Yeah. The and public so like, is fickle. You know, you're just one, one mistake away. I mean, yeah, fair. I mean, how good is this expose that Burns putting out? Was cable news a thing at this time? I think it was the beginning of that era. 
maybe a bit too early for it to like really really take off yeah it wasn't it wasn't what it is now yeah because i i mean they're clearly just going off the the j jonah jameson spider-man vibes which is like is is kind of cool because like the turtles have never really had that even in other versions so it's nice that that is something like new being introduced yeah they have like an active antagonist who's not necessarily a villain yeah keeping things interesting cnn was founded in 1980 so i'm assuming by this time cable news was a thing yeah like cable news existed but like it wasn't what it is was, 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 yeah. Yeah. i think it was really like rush limbaugh who like had the first like wild success with the kind of mm-hmm. jameson style if you ever play Spencer, feel feel free to cut this out. If you ever play uh, Cards Against Humanity with me, uh, Rush Limbaugh's soft, shitty body will always win. <laughs> All right, good to know. Just the uh, you know the OP cards of it, it's that and it's Mecha Hitler are like two instant wins for me. <laughs> Like if you're playing, you know, like like because you always hear about like the broken cards in like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh. I feel like you know that's just the the cards against humanity equivalent to that, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Constant yeah. win. While we're on a, a cutting tangent, the Lord of the Rings Magic card set, by the way, awesome. So, I, I've okay. seen them. I haven't actually like gotten. I don't think I don't know, think they're for sale yet, but oh, they look okay, neato. All right, Cyber Turtles. Um, I was going to talk about these cyber turtle outfits because this is like oh, the God. last like it seems like this is the last push of like uniformed merchandising across turtles because these cyber turtle outfits not only are they in the show there were toys of these cyber turtles also in 1994 and in the Archie comic in the Dreamland arc which was also November of 94 they were these same cyber turtle outfits oh, so I don't know land you know, synergy baby. Bram and Synergy, yeah. It was like the last big push. And also earlier when I said that the only other Turtles media was Mirage Volume 2 and that, I was wrong because also Archie was coming out at the time. And I forgot yeah. about it like I like I always do. Yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't want to correct you. I wanted you to eventually come to your shame. Yeah, I wanted this I wanted the shame to well up inside of you. Fair enough. You know, I just towards to, the end drown. Because Dreamland was like in the sixties and it only lasted until the seventies, so it's coming coming to a conclusion as well. So, um, confession: I didn't actually watch this episode because the I trusted in the DVD. <laughs> so that was gonna yeah, be, that, that's was, an anchovy. That's an anchovy. We're gonna, I was we'll gonna bring there. this up uh, right. Well, just right now, the reason why. So this Have is actually episode now. seven. Yeah, this is episode seven of the season. Um, and so Turtlepedia has it listed in in airing order. So apparently, this episode aired as the third episode in the season, but it's actually season seven. I mean, it makes sense. Um, like the one I did watch actually. Um, so yeah, so I watched it on the DVD order. Uh, and that is actually, uh, cry havoc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cry havoc is the fourth episode of this, uh, of season eight, according to, the DVDs, but according to the actual like airing order, uh, Cyber Turtles is episode three and Cry Havoc is episode six. Yeah, or the episode, other episode time five. the DVDs have been, at least that I've noticed, have been like way, way off. I mean, they have before with us, 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's my fault for not double checking it. So it's like, but for me, it wasn't until right now when you started <laughs> recapping Cyber Turtles that I was like, I don't remember Casey Jones. <laughs> I would have remembered him. Oh, are me and Spencer are the only two that watched it then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's watching no, it right now funny. and I didn't watch it. <laughs> well, you know, Looks I guess like a we'll, good have one. A, we'll have all the commentary on this then. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird because well, I like do, I do have notes because Turtlepedia helps out in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the DVDs have been off before, but I don't know if you guys have the version with like the, the little booklet. But oftentimes the numbers in those are wrong too; like they're they're totally out of order. Um, yeah. The other thing that happens on Turtlepedia though, watch it because I would have gone to eBay to buy these figures. They're pretty cool, honestly. They like I mean, they're really... they're clearly trying to be like what was popular at the time, which is Power Rangers. But yeah. You know. But the the thing with uh, the other thing that happened with this episode though is that Turtlepedia, with for its air date, says that it did air after season six on its dates. But then you know in the trivia says that it aired after episode two, and then later on was in the DVDs is put as episode seven. I, I I don't know what's going on with this episode. Also, I think that we can maybe officially say that maybe most of the air dates that we've read on the show have been wrong because we've been going off of Turtlepedia. <laughs> it's just, it's a web of lies. It's weird yeah. because like, if you look on Turtlepedia, it's different than Wikipedia. And there's also another part of Turtlepedia that just like lists every episode and its air date. And that doesn't match the individual episode descriptions. Sometimes yeah, the, the is, turtle lore community is in shambles. Get it together, yeah. guys. <laughs> For sure. It aired the year. That we said it aired in. All right. We can be positive it aired in the 90s. Yeah. Right, right. This aired in 1994. <laughs> this aired in 94. Okay, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, add that to the things to do if you have a time machine. Figure out when these episodes aired. <laughs> this episode did air, or it, it did have a VHS release, which I did not know. That seems like a, a very late. Uh, episode to be on a VHS, but am I the yeah. only one who my parents bought me none of the the show VHSs? Not a single one. Well, you're not the only one. They didn't buy any of them for me either. I had I had at least the first two, and then Sky Turtles from Burger King. Oh, I don't know what else I had though. I was just born after Turtle Mania, so yeah. Way to be! Wow, how could that even? What's that like? Uh, I don't know. I got to watch the 2003 series on Saturday morning cartoons, and that was my first Turtles. Like that was that was Turtles for me. It is really interesting. I feel like because at least for me, as a, a Turtle Mania participant, mm-hmm. once it waned, and then I I kind of like dropped out of like the cartoon show for almost all of 2003. I mean, you'd see it like you catch it on TV, but by mm-hmm. then I was just not like a serious watcher anymore. Yeah, no, I'd wake up on Saturday mornings. I didn't realize that there was an original cartoon uh, until much, much later. I think it was actually Turtles Forever is when I oh, learned that there was weird. a Turtles cartoon that came before. Yeah, I didn't even know. I was just wow. enjoying this cartoon. Uh, as far as I knew, that was Turtles. And then I, lear- I learned that there was a movie that was live action that came out back in the 90s. Whoa. And so I knew that existed. Now that's mind-blowing. So you watched the 2003 before, like, the original movies even? Yeah, like, I, I was just watching on Saturday morning cartoons. I didn't have, like, a parent or someone else in my life that was like... Yeah, that's true. You, you didn't know, have here, here's Turtles, let me show you. I mean, like, I didn't have parents that were like, Turtles. Parents? Yeah. But... 
He's raised by wolves. Luckily, they had by uh, wolves. They were wolves. That's why Spencer uh, Spencer's view of Ninja Turtles is heavily tainted because he didn't have that baptism correctly. True. I do think it's it's very cool that like different (laughs) different people have a different. They have their own Turtle Mania experience in a way because 2003 was still very popular and it still had a hefty toy line. Yeah, except yeah, I didn't even really get a whole lot of the toys. I had I had a Michael. Well, my brother had a Michelangelo that I of course played with in the sewer copter, or sewer chop. I don't know, like the, this helicopter that had like a manhole cover uh, on its propellers and things like that. Uh, but that was it. That was all. That was all the turtles toys I had. But I, I loved the cartoon. I would faithfully wake up on Saturday morning to to watch it. That's the, it is the that's same. The, as long as you had that core experience of like yeah. w- having to wake yeah. up. To watch and just just to clarify there is no there is no perfect ninja turtle baptism experience everybody comes in on their own i was just making a joke yeah yeah no absolutely <laughs> unless of course you grew up with the 2003 series in which you've had yeah you perfect, you stop it you stop <laughs> i used to wake up on saturdays to watch it too but i was in high school same an old man yeah. i was a senior in high school so. i remember being bummed when i was in high school because there was one morning one saturday morning where i actually had to get up kind of early and i was bored one and i was saturday like you know what morning let's Sorry. let's go check out my let's go check out you know what's playing on the saturday morning cartoons and they were just gone. They didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like, man, I, I was, I witnessed the death of Saturday morning cartoons. It does yeah. suck. Like knowing that like Saturday morning cartoons as a thing, like, cause that was a thing since like the seventies, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just, that just doesn't exist anymore. And it really does suck. Yeah. That's I mean, I got that's bad, anchovy, man. Cause now cartoons are, they're, you know, mainstream enough where there's like whole channels dedicated to them and they're like prime time viewing well then you've also got streaming what you wish for yeah and you've got streaming on top of that so it's like you know the the whole industry has changed so like there really isn't a need for saturday morning cartoons anymore and arguably like cartoons have gotten better so it's like it like better than what you could have shown on like network tv so in in a way, like it's a blessing, but it, it just it's sad. It's like it's like when turtles figures weren't in, you know, uh, at Target or Walmart. Like when there was just no turtle shelves on or turtles always on the shelves. Like it was kind of heartbreaking because it was like this was the first time in like decades. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, where were we? Crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, cyber turtles. turtles. Something about mean, like, ninja turtles and big be- big old buildings with giant laser beams coming out of this, the top of them. I do think their robot designs are awesome. Like, and like it carries on. They're definitely very turtle belts. They're very toyetic, but that kind of is part of what makes them fun. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, generally speaking, action figures are made to look cool, and uh, so you know, the design looks cool. (laughs) Yeah, and and turtles are like the the whole reason turtles really blew up is because they were made to sell action figures. So it's kind of I feel like. Of all the brands, they're the ones who, if they're going to do an episode to sell action figures, it's the purest form of the brand. Well, I mean, they, they weren't made to sell action figures. They were... The, the I, mean, I mean, the cartoon show. The 87 show. And that's what truly, like, I mean, the comics were popular and, like, you know, selling out. And they were already kind of dipping their toes into, like, different kind of, like, tabletop figures. Mm-hmm. But it's it's truly, like, 
the cartoon show action figure combo really blew it up. I, I've always, I've pondered a lot what TMNT would be like if they never had done the toy deal. I think it would maybe be something closer to Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. Uh, I think that Kevin Eastman and Pilar would have had a successful indie comic uh, that maybe didn't end up with a movie adaptation or a, or a cartoon. Yeah, but, or at least, I mean, I'm sure something would have happened around, but yeah, that'd be a, like, I'm sure somebody would have dipped into it, maybe in the 2000s. Yeah, it's possible. I, you know, it, it's one of those things that I guess you, you can never really know. My guess is that it would have, I mean, who knows, maybe in that alternate universe, we would have gotten a Mirage story that ended in The Last Ronin. You know, like a whole story arc, and actually, because that was the original plan for The Last Ronin, was yeah. for Mirage 2 eventually become that that was end game it's true yeah because without like the explosion in popularity they would have had a lot more time to just focus only on the comics yeah but who knows because kevin eastman and peter laird might have clashed too much to make it happen and they still might have split up and it, it never happened we don't know we just don't know uh the final appearance of casey jones is this episode yeah yep. and uh let's see back in uh what was the last episode of the last season called Shredder Triumphant. Yeah. Remember, we were like, we've never seen Dimension X as just a big green glow. But in this episode, it's just a big green glow. So apparently Dimension X is just a big green glow now. They have stuck with the green glow. Yeah. Also, Casey Jones is Clint Eastwood, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that like the mask is the Casey Jones persona, but underneath it, that is Clint Eastwood. For some reason, that never registered with me. Until very recently, like the end of last season, it didn't it didn't click in my brain. Yep, he's a dirty Harry parody, <laughs> which is a far cry from like the comics uh, midriff crop top Casey. Yeah, uh, to to although an extent. it's it's closer than I expect <laughs> it to be, though. Also, yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing is like the comic books, as as Kevin Eastman says it. Uh, he's kind of meant to be like a guy that's inspired to go fight crime by yeah. TV, by watching Dirty Harry, and, and he has a good dose of himbo in him. Yeah, and the A team, and so he's gonna go out and, and fight crime on the streets, uh, kind of thing, which is which is a lot of fun, um, and is a great backstory for a vigilante because that's kind of a parody of of vigilantes because they always have this like twisted you know dark childhood where their parents were murdered or something and that or their family was killed in front of them and so that's why they go out and fight crime but casey jones just wanted to go do it after watching too much bad tv it makes total Uh, sense like growing up in that era it was who didn't want to be like rambo or just some lunatic or kurt russell yeah and so that's the other thing i mean that's the other thing i've heard is that the other inspiration for casey's personality in the comic books is jack bauer from big trouble in china that's his name, right? I didn't just say the wrong name. You did say um, the wrong name. Jack Bauer I did say is, the wrong from, name. is from 24. <laughs> Darn it. It's Jack something, though, isn't it? I'm ashamed I don't know his name because I love Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I've only watched it once. It's all Jack in the Burton. Jack Burton. Okay, started with a B. It's Jack. <laughs> I was some like, slack. Jack Bauer. Huh? That's a little universe. Me some slack. Jack Burton. But yeah, so he's kind of inspired by. His person, you know, he, he case Kevin Eastman has said he asks himself, "What would Jack Burton do?" Yeah, uh, interesting, interesting. That that, that does make a lot of sense. There is also a book called uh, 
old man Burton, which is the last Ronin, but Jack Burton. What? Yeah. I've always wanted to read it. I think I have, I think I have it in my comicsology. Um, but yeah, it's like old man Logan, like last Ronin, but Jack Burton. So that's funny. Well, I, I don't know. I'll have to read it, but like, what I love Big about Trouble Big Trouble Little China, Little China is that he's just kind of there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just kind of getting by. And then at the very end, he just like gets to throw a knife and kills the main bad guy. Like that's yeah. what's so funny about it. <laughs> yeah. Is that he's just this like trucker in the middle of this street war, you know, this, this anyway, good movie. All right. Bring it up. State of shock. So uh, the turtle vein catapult is used. We haven't seen that in a long time. But yeah. it's like not the full one either. It's like where like the f- the roof like unfolds. It's like a little hole that just pops out. I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looked very neat. <laughs> this is also the first ever appearance of Darkwater, Colonel Knight, and Alex Winters. Yeah. Which I don't know if they ever show up in this series again, but they do come back in IDW. Isn't that great? Yeah. Well, and I really liked what they did with IDW because in IDW, they are a group of like mercenaries that are hired by the EPF because it's kind of hard to have both the EPF and Darkwater exist. And so they just kind of make the EPF exist, but Darkwater exists as mercenaries for hire that the EPF hires, as well as later on, Baxter Stockman currently right now in the Armageddon Games has them under his... Uh, his hire, or however you say the right word for it, under under his employment, he has employed. There we go. Yeah. IDW has really done such a good job of pulling together so much lore in such yeah. a good way. It's it's incredible what they've done with it. That's why I always tell people like if they want to get into Team and T, IDW is the place to go. Yeah, the thing with IDW though is Alex Winters has not turned into, um, Megavolt. Bug monster. Yeah, he, he hasn't <laughs> turned into him. Which makes me wonder if that is ever something that is in the cards for the IDW series. But we'll have cool. to the see. bug monster. I love the bug monster design. Honestly, like it felt like that was kind of a leftover bugman design. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see. No shredder, no crane this episode. Don't need him. Yep. And then Megavolt is Tony J. Yeah, he's the voice actor, and he'll be Dreg later in the yeah, season. Yeah, Tony. Not the last time we'll be hearing Tony J's uh, sweet voice. Right. Yeah, so he's he's very like he, he's like to me because I'm so I'm much more used to Tony J's other incarnations or roles. The bug version, really, that's the most Tony J to me. <laughs> so I know him as Magneto from X Men Legends. I just I love that man's voice. I mean, he was Frollo and Hunchback in Notre Dame, Shere Khan in the in Tailspin, yeah. Megabyte in Reboot. Oh, reboot, Reboot, so good. You know, just a ton, a ton of voices. He was in the Mighty. Although Duck he was really version. basically like, it was just the one Tony J voice. Yeah, it was. I mean, when you booked <laughs> Tony J to be a voice, you knew what you were getting, like no doubt about it. But that's why you got Tony J. So yeah, instantly recognizable, even if you don't know him by name, you know, you know the voice. All right. Are we ready for our anchovy? I think so. Nobody likes anchovies. Uh, all right. First anchovy, that theme song. Gotta go. No, it's so <laughs> Get good. It nope. Get it out. We need you guys. We have to do a poll among the listeners. 
we need and um I'll I'll find a way to rig the poll if it doesn't go the way I want. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just make I, I think the accounts. theme song is good. It's good. You how you have to at least love the turtle power. It's bow, it's bow. I'm sorry, man. It's just not good. It's not good. I don't like it. I, don't like I, it. I hate so, it. <laughs> I I don't th- like. I don't hate the redesign of the turtles. But I, I, their voices don't match that design whatsoever. Yeah. So that's you know? that's what a that was a yeah. big one for me. It's like Raph kind of gets by. Donatello's where it starts to get a little weird. Michelangelo, like Townsend Coleman, like kind of brought it down a little bit. So he's not like super dorky. But man, Cam Clark's like, let's go, guys, coming out of that turtle design. Really just. Ugh. Yeah, no, and that's that was, that was one of the big things I for me is especially in this episode, uh, more so than the other ones, because like I was saying in the Wrath of the Rat King, it kind of settles into its new tone and feel a little bit more. But it feels very juxtaposed with like, like it just feels weird. Yeah, because you have the turtles. A lot of characters have like the same personalities that they did before. Mm-hmm. Uh which feels juxtaposed with like the raised stakes and everything else that's going on, you know. And then you have gags like uh, they they find this laser that they believe came from Shredder, and it's like, oh, it says made in Taiwan. If it was from Shredder, it's <laughs> made in Dimension but, X. Like the big which, piece of equipment has like a big old made in Taiwan label. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of a funny joke, but it feels like I said so juxtaposed and like jarring with like yeah. the way the feel of this whole episode is. When that's uh, like right after Raphael says he's going to put a guy in traction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. for me, it's interesting because it works. And these were the episodes I watched most as a kid. And so mm-hmm. as we've been going through the seasons, I do admit there is like when you go from, you know, last season to this, it is pretty shocking just to see the difference. But very quickly, like it just seeped back into to young Cody. And this one just feels very natural to me. So it just, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I think, to me, I think um, it does a great job of still mixing the two things. Because it is, it, like, the turtles are darker. They look darker, but they still pull it together. And they bridge it with, you know, like, Bebop and Rocksteady are still, you know, they're more violent or threatening. But they're still, like, the, they're still goofballs. So I think they kind of, they yeah. work the silliness back in in different ways. Yeah, I just feel like like even Vernon and stuff kind of still has that like before he gets his his like J. Jonah Jameson personality for the turtles like he just very much is kind of doing like the cowering classic like comedic yeah. routine from like the original eighty seven series like to me it just feels off like I said with this new with this new aesthetic and tone because it, it feels more serious and it feels like there's raised stakes but then like so much of it like suddenly it'll like bounce back to just kind of like previous seasons, like cartoon 87 feeling. And so yeah. to me, it can feel like jarring as it's up and down it. Granted after this episode, it starts like relaxing that out and it kind of settles more into its new tone and feel. Maybe I've just been getting used to the, the new animation and design, but I do feel like episode one was very heavy on those classic gags and just everything else before the shift. Uh, it's like somewhere in the middle. One thing I forgot to bring up. Did anyone notice this is in Wrath of the Rat King when Mikey falls? Like he's trying to like he's climbing the building and they like cut his little, you know, grappling hook and he falls, but he makes a noise like Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just made me laugh so hard because he does it twice. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> he just like biffs it and he just keeps making that noise. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, he what? makes it to like swing, and then he makes it to hit a wall too. And it's like, yeah. what, how is that the same sound? <laughs> how is how is I'm choosing to swing with my turtle line, and my turtle line has been snapped, and I'm now crashing into a wall. How how are you? How's that the same sound? Yeah, so good. Though I can I can totally see how for folks it's jarring. It makes yeah. sense. Do we ever find out why Berserker was there? And and then like at the end they just leave him in the middle of the street. Well, they t- yeah, they tie him up for they... the cops, right? What what so. crime are they going to charge him with? <laughs> yeah, like he it's hasn't crimes. done anything. It's the crimes, you know. That's the beauty of these kind of villains. Well, you know? yeah, you just tie him up, try, leave him for the cops. Doesn't he, matter yeah, what the, the DA will, thinks. The, cops will the charges can stick. They'll just frame him. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, the cops will look at him and they'll just be like, "Yeah, he looks like a bad guy." Yeah, yeah all those they'll teeth. bring him to court. Yeah, they'll bring him to court, and the jury will look at him and be like, "No way, he didn't do it. No <laughs> way. <laughs> this guy it, needs it, to go to prison." It worked for Batman in um, Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh, the other interesting thing, bringing up the turtle line again. It's interesting that it's gotten like darker and more serious and raised stakes and violent and things. But yet we still can't use nunchucks, I guess. Yeah, that is so <laughs> strange. Weird. And in this one, like we've mentioned, there's multiple like uh, Leonardo Shredder sword fights. Yeah. Which some of the times they're oddly, they feel like they're in slow motion and like they... Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not good sword fights. They just well, it's like just that classic animation style of the eighties and eighty seven. And it's, it's like they didn't know how to like speed up the frames or they couldn't afford it, and so it's just kind of yeah. like But yeah, I, like my theory is really they, use the same, they use the same animation from when he's just like knocking lasers away. They're like, <laughs> okay, but Shredder isn't as fast as a laser, so like slow it down. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. there's one scene, I can't remember which episode is in where like um or maybe it might have been I watched the wrong episode, so maybe spoilers for next one. They have to lay down their weapons, and you see everyone put their weapons down, and Mikey puts down his rope grapple yeah. hook, and it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> okay, you've rope got, guy. Yeah, you've got you got a guy with a bow staff, you got a guy with with size, and you got a guy with katanas, and then you got the other guy at the end with just like a rope with a hook on the end of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is my weapon. No more building scaling for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's definitely one of my complaints with just '80s cartoons in general. In the whole '87 series is that there can be plenty of moments where like really slow action occurs. There's there's like a there's that instance in like the very first like five seasons or something where. You see Raphael jam roll over on the ground, jam a sigh in Rocksteady's gun, and then Rocksteady like and then roll away and then Rocksteady looks down at this gun, fires it, and then is shocked and it blows up. <laughs> and it, it just happens super slowly. It's hilarious to me every yeah. time. Because of the way the animation like, do, 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 pink. Do, do, do. Yeah. Uh we good to move on to Rather the Rat King? I don't understand why the Rock soldiers aren't just coming from Dimension X. If they can send, like, the super weapon, why not send the whole army? Well, they do try to send, like, they beam the the shocker thing over, but the coordinates are messed up by the black hole. So, I mean, I don't, they didn't know yeah, that. It's but. a it's a good thing that they didn't do it, because yeah. then yeah. the rock soldiers would have kind of ended up in pieces all over the place. And they uh, already look like, you know, like, melted poo. So, right. if anything goes wrong with those guys. Is this their last appearance by any chance? It does not list it as that. I would imagine whoever animated that, whoever drew them, surely got fired after this, because <laughs> they. Just, it looks like they hired me to animate a character. 
Right. Um. What am I? Uh, uh, no, they have they have one more episode. Oh okay. boy. One of my things that that I guess I had a problem with was the when they when they're I guess ex, uh what's the word I'm looking for when they are when they found their mojo again and they're gonna go take on Shredder. They they have the whole line of like all that matters is that we do our best. And I just feel like that implies that they weren't doing their best before this whole time. Right. It's like, no wonders you're so unmotivated and down on yourself. You, you haven't even been trying. <laughs> you know, like you weren't doing your best before. Uh, you failed all those times. And but, now now they're getting serious pushback. It's been a blow to their self-confidence, their self-image. Yeah. And and speaking of that, like I just I don't know how I feel about Channel Six just turning against them again. I get it sets up the new status quo, but in context of the entire series, like they were already against them and then like totally fine with them and were kind of done slamming the turtles. Uh, you know, Splinter did save them. It it's really weird that like Burden is just like, you know who the real villain is here? Not the guy who blew up my building and did all these things. It's the Turtles themselves. I'm going to run an anti-Turtles campaign. It just feels like there's too many like mental backflips and logic going on there. Uh, I don't know, for, for it to really make sense to me. But also, if you had to operate your news station out of like a rundown restaurant, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks like they just took like a, a boarded up Taco Bell. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it for me. One thing that really mm. stuck out to me is why Rocksteady's wooden sword is so dinky. How has he not gotten a real weapon? Because then he would have to use the turtle line. So, yeah, mm. it is metal though. We've seen him use it, and it makes a metal sound when it hits things. But we've also seen it be wood too. So iron it's just... wood. It's iron wood. Iron wood. Iron there you go. go. That's what, there we go. <laughs> From an ironwood tree. All right. Uh, I <laughs> or, really, or I really hate the name Shockwave for an ultimate weapon. It's such a stupid, like, boring name. Right. And they Especially try to like, a show that has had so many crazy words for things. Just yeah, Shockwave. Like, yeah, just the Shockwave. Like, that's such a okay. That's like that's like calling like your final movie in your saga Endgame. It's, it's such a it's Whoa. such a boring name. Yeah, it is also it's not like the shockwave gun, the shockwave emitter. It's just Yeah, like shockwave emitter like adds add a little shockwave bit more panache blaster. to that. Yeah, like add a little bit more panache to that. I do like how they can they're consistently dodging laser blasts, which is always just a classic of how yeah. light does not work. Is is it Wrath of the Right King where they're like it almost looks like they're like surfing? They're just like dodging all these. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right, Cyber Turtles for me and Spencer, I, I guess. Yeah, I got nothing for Cyber Turtles. <laughs> yeah, so so my biggest thing is that there's this whole moment where they have this laser on the rooftop, right? And this laser is opening a hole into Dimension X, which will allow massive fleets of like cranes and stuff to to come through into New York. And Leo's sitting there like trying to push it back. Michelangelo is like doing something. The laser's sitting right there. They could just smash it, like, the whole time. Right. Like, the whole time, you could just go over with your ginormous robot bodies and smash the laser, but they don't touch it. They, like, straight up have to, like, go and shut it down from the inside. They could just smash the laser. Right. Well, that'd be too simple. Also, like, 
like Michelangelo lost his super suit, but do, do the other three still have theirs? Like, what happened to those at the end? And also, yeah. weren't the blasters not working for the bad guys in this episode? They're working again. Like that was a huge plot point at one point, and they just totally wrote it off. But yeah, totally. I, I don't know. I still just can't get over the 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 smashing the laser thing, especially because <laughs> earlier that day I was watching the old Justice League cartoon, and there's like a whole satellite with a rail gun, and Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter and, and the Flash, it makes sense. But still, they fly, they're flying in this spaceship to go get him. And it's like, you have a freaking Green Lantern. It, it, and they're sitting there, like, trying to, of course, once again, shut down the railgun or, like, get everyone out and then destroy the satellite. And it's like, dude, just crush the railgun with your ring. You have a power ring that can smash things. So I watched that episode, and then I watched this, and I was just like... I don't know. I was very fr- it was a very frustrating... Uh, <laughs> it was a very frustrating day of, of cartoon watching. No wonder you had to go read Green Lantern to get it out of your system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it's a good one point. of the sneaking off to take hits at Green Lantern. Yeah, right. in, the, in the animated in the animated movies and cartoons, it will bug the crap out of me how underutilized Green Lantern is because oh well Batman and Superman have to do things. You know, and it's just like, dude, you can create giant hands that can just crush things. Like you anyway. This is a whole other rant for another day, but but they are very <laughs> underutilized in those animated movies and TV series. Uh, my only other complaint for Cyber Turtles is that the Glaxons are kind of lazy alien designs. Uh, it's just humanoid animals, uh, which granted is a staple of, of the Ninja Turtle series for action figures. But nonetheless... <laughs> it's weird that they're not action figures. Like, they look like, exactly like they came out of another show and are action yeah. figures. Yeah, yeah. And I will let most series and things get away with like one or two of those, but uh, I don't know. To me, it's always a lazy alien design. Usually, to uh, like I let the Triceratons get away with it, and I let a few other things get away with it, especially in the IDW series, though, because like they're mutated Triceratops that, anyway, that the Krang actually got from Earth, and so it makes more sense. But I don't know. I've I've never been too big a fan of making just a humanoid animal and being like it's an alien. Uh, be more creative with your alien designs. Give me something otherworldly. I mean, it does make you wonder, like, if they didn't have action figures to rely on so much anymore. Like, if that affects, like, how they're doing designs. Yeah, I don't know. Because this, I guess this would have been by the time where the action figure line was truly dying. Yeah, like, it, we were towards the end of the of the action figure line. Like, there was maybe two two more years, I think. And I, because I think by the end of it, they were, they're mostly putting out like reissues and reprints where it's like the older figures on like the new, new cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The main, the main line in 1994 was the Shogun Turtles. Not the movie Three Turtles, but the Shogun, like the repainted versions, like with the, with the vac metal. And that would that have been like Shogun Shwate too or Shote? Shoat, yep. Shoat. Yeah, Shogun Shoat. Uh, uh, Spencer Shogun cut that in post. I said Shoat. Shogun Shoat. Uh, but then the Star Trek figures, the second round of Universal Monsters, like we didn't have normal turtles. We had the, and then we, but, and then we had the Pizza Sauce and Turtles, which three of them were just re-released by Playmates. So. A crime they didn't do, Donnie. And fortunately they lost that mold apparently. That's crazy. I'll sell. Yeah, we got we got three more years of Turtles toys. It went till ninety seven. Yeah, but it, but it it wasn't like 
normal toys. They were all like ones with gimmicks too. So it's like, I don't know. It's just weird. But yeah, you, you can kind of feel like it was, this was kind of towards the end of that toy line. Man. And I think Pixel Dan has actually talked about this too a lot, where a lot of these figures were just rare because a lot of the kids that started with Turtles, you know, were six years, six, seven years into this toy line. Like a lot of them have kind of grown up into, you know, middle school and high school now. Yeah. It, it is really interesting to see like how a property just kind of outlasts its little, like its demographic or its target. Yeah. And, and how, I think how they bridge that or keep it going to like a new group of kids. And that's a, and that's a great case for the original turtle series. Like, you know, that original turtles mania is because it had gone on for 10 plus years. You know, it kind of aged out. You know, it was too, it was too old for new kids and too young for old kids. So, and then the show was too old for little kids. And, and then, then, yeah, the then we get the, and, was too little for old kids. And that's why we get the red sky season. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, All right. we're ready for state of shock. Is anybody ready for state of shock? Why did he turn into a giant bug? That was like, that was so out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just, I mean, if you're going to grow cool armor. But it's not like, an art. He like he like he is just a bug. Like he has he's bug just bug eyes. Man. He's yeah. just bug man. It, it but must he can been shoot a like electrical. Yeah, right. He can like shoot like electrical scrap metal. It's really weird. Yeah, like it's not a good reveal. It's not a good twist or anything. It's just kind of. Uh... My, my he's also is... the same person who says, I believe he says coup de grace. Yes. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, uh, what, he does. What he is he is he that have. kind of guy. So. <laughs> yeah, my my only thing is that like dark water definitely just feels really generic in in this version. Like like Colonel Knight is straight up just like cast him as John Cena, generic military man. You know, <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> he is, he just feels like a very very generic military guy. Uh, I can see why uh, IDW stuck with uh, Agent Bishop being the face of the EPF and and as the. Uh, the secret military group, just saying. Yeah, just makes better sense. It just makes more sense. There, there's a little bit more to that than a just generic military guy that is apparently a part of a secret organization. Also, why is it that April knows about this organization because, like, she dated a guy instead of the fact that she's a reporter? That's I mean, a good point, yeah. <laughs> I guess we know how she got her stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that she's we know that she only uses the turtles for stories. <laughs> like, she genuinely yeah. doesn't care about yeah. them. She also um, like she she doubts them super quickly. Like it's she's she's been with them for years, so you would think they'd have a rock solid bond, and she would know like okay, they they have something in the works. But instantly she's like, maybe they're bad guys. <laughs> Reporters, man, don't trust. This was, a lot of... this was the only episode that I did kind of nod off on. Yeah, there's been a lot of the turtles just like running from place to place in the season so far. Like it's, and I understand it's to build tension, but it's just like. They'll say something and be like, we got to go. And then you just like run. And yeah. Yeah. But, it, it's, but it's also like, like they're always in that same like World's Fair area, which yeah. again, World's Fair obsession, totally 90s. <laughs> yes. Well, I'd even, I'd even say that it extends to the, the 80s a bit. But yeah. Because like in All Star Squadron, their, their base became the World's Fair from years of, anyway, back, anyway, oh, cool. from an 80s comic. Is it an episode of Simpsons? The of the World's Fair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they, the wig sphere. The wig sphere. 
When did people suddenly not care about the World's Fair anymore? Was that like in the 2000s? Did like 9-11 just kill the World's Fair? I feel no. like the World's well, Fair wasn't even a general. thing since like the 50s. No, I mean, since the 60s. Well, it's been a thing for a while, but like, it, like I don't know, you don't, you don't ever hear about it anymore. Like when I was a kid, I did not hear about the World's Fair. Yeah, well, yeah, until I like they thinking into old media. <laughs> like, yeah, like the world, like the world's fair. Be, be, well, because we were so chronically online that it's like, you know, it, it's the reason like E three is dying for video games. Like, because you don't have to go to a trade show to debut yep. stuff. Um, so like the idea of the world's fair is just it's not something that like a lot of places will want to sink money into. Hmm. You know, yeah, it, it was it, held in twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, I guess it, it switched to the World's Expo. Yeah. The last time the U.S. had it was 1984. So really, we've all been robbed of World's Fairs because they seem right. cool. Yeah, like the idea is cool. And it's like they kind of played with that in um, Iron Man 2 with the yeah. Stark Expo. Mm-hmm. And that Which was, was also, like, it's kind of like Epcot to me. Like, Yeah, exactly. We have, we have, we have to pay to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're showcasing of like future technology and that's like, that's such a cool thing. And like we, we built the Washington space needle. Yeah. I was gonna say like the space needle in Seattle is a leftover yeah. from the world's fair, the 1962 world's fair. Yeah. No you know? kidding. Yeah. It's like, it, that's so that's synonymous different. with Seattle that you're like, Oh, this has always been here. It's like, no, it's only been there for, you know, 60 years. We've yeah. I thought it came from space. Yeah, exactly. Hence the Space Needle. All right, are we ready to move on to what we loved about these episodes? I think so, because this episode is getting a little long. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we're already at two hours. I know. (laughs) I love being a turtle. All righty. So I do like the new new look of everything. I do like the Red Sky season stuff. I I like the tone overall. I, I do think it is a nice upgrade, especially since we, like, actually... Are caring about continuity now. Yeah. It seems like that's continuing between episodes. It's awesome. I yeah. I like it. Uh it's just it's just it feels weird because it's this show. Like if this was if this was just this show and not the previous seven seasons, like I wouldn't it wouldn't feel so weird. But yeah. I really like how like if you watch it this on its own, like I kind of like where they're going. Yeah. Well, like, because they crank up, they've cranked up the violence a little, and even though it feels a little juxtaposed, we still get, like, action scenes like a shootout with police. Like, we never saw a shootout with police in this, like, series before. Or they're very aware, like, oh, the police are coming, so we have to get out of here. Yeah, Yeah, like 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 you said earlier, like, it feels like they're stakes, so. Yeah. Like, they have their backs to the wall, and they're, like, turning around and aiming and, you know, firing back at police. Uh, Then Shredder blows up the top of the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He pulls up cool. two different buildings in this episode. That's crazy. Well, there's He's also a little, little bit of an over. They're destroying buildings with like when Rat King is going nuts. Mm-hmm. They're going for it this season. I I do think it is the best turtle design too. It's weird to think that like the dark, gritty, super violent turtles everybody's yearning for apparently is the eighty-seven last three seasons. <laughs> well, it just shows you that. Um, people really aren't watching or reading these things. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think a lot of... Well, I mean, this this season gets a bad rap, and it's because it did totally, completely change, and so, like, it does feel juxtaposed if you were watching the 87 series or used to that tone, and then you go to this. Like, it, it, 
it does feel weird and you have to get kind of get past that first episodes and get past that that feeling of like this being normal you know i don't know this being different i guess it is so much easier to watch though like it, it is like you generally like yeah like, it doesn't feel like you're it watching it as part like of a task minutes. you're yeah. like oh like um like let's see what happens here and like and... It, it pulls you the continuity this really highlights how how good continuity can be just stringing things together because it just gives everything just like a by default context. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of being like, why are they talking to burn again? Now you're like, Oh, he hates them. And so every new story, he's going to like constantly be trying to ruin the turtles. So now it makes sense for him to be around because that's yeah. his obsession now. No, for a while now, nodding off during these episodes has been a problem for me, but with these four <laughs> episodes, it wasn't a problem. Like I, I wasn't falling asleep during, mm. uh, and I and, haven't been getting more. So, <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned that like these episodes like get a bad rap and it, it's like, we've, we've talked about it before on the show, like how the majority of the turtles fandom has not watched more than the season, than the first season, you know, first couple seasons. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people like never made it to red sky. Like I'm going through red sky for the first time. I've known of red sky, but I've never yeah. watched these episodes. Now it's like, okay, and I, I know like Carter shows up in like the next season and drag uh, or right, drag the mutant turtles. Or I, I guess that's yeah. Like I know I know stuff like that. I've seen like one Carter episode, I think. Um, but like you can you can always tell because like because this is the kind of stuff that like people would be like, oh, like this is actually kind of cool for the eighty seven turtles. Mm -hmm. I feel like this gets the bad rap the same way like the Image comics does, but like it's actually pretty good. Yeah, and and you know we liked the Image comics, so it's like, it, it it's funny how like that kind of I don't know, not a perversion, but kind of like that kind of stance has been in the fandom for so long that everyone just kind of accepts it. And it's like when you yeah. when you go back and you like you look at it, it's actually not terrible. It's it's weird, and it's weird that it happens in this version of the Turtles. But it's like as a thing, it's not bad. Yeah. Like, like, like I was saying before, like you get used to the thing being this thing and then it's like, oh, now we've shifted it and it doesn't feel quite right, you know, with, with this set of characters, but because we're so used to them being a certain way and everything being a certain way with them that suddenly it feels bizarre and juxtaposed. But once you get into it, it's not bad. We're going to, we're going to convert them fellas. Don't worry. I, I really do think it's impossible not to watch these episodes and instantly start to be won over. Even for all like, yeah. the differences are just positions, just the continuity and like the storytelling. And I do think it really helps with like, you know, David Wise, at least having it all on him because then yeah. it's not just bouncing around wildly and he can make these plans opposed yeah. to like someone else writes the episode. And they're like, well, I want Mikey to do this. Yeah, and and that's and that's kind of a great thing for this season is like because this is all the David Wise show now, so it's like we we do get that continuity over everything. Like you feel like you know characters being introduced are going to pay off eventually. Yeah, or even just like the slow buildup of the turtles starting to like doubt themselves. Yeah, something interesting you would you would never see in the previous seasons at all. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing with like the Wrath of the Rat King is that like instantly like it feels like it's just picking up where get shredder left off like yeah. you have shredder and krang inside that world's fair building using all the technology referencing the fact that they're using 
that technology that was left there by Bizarro. Bizarro. <laughs> Bizarro slash Gracchus. Bizarro. <laughs> Uh, that was left there by him, you know, and so like they're they're bringing him back up. Like, it feels like you actually have continuity in the story happening here, rather than yeah. just you know endless the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention, this is just a good Rat King. This episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. like the heel turn instantly once he's get his weapons, mm-hmm. like Shredder and Krang, like. You're through. It's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He feels way more threatening than, than he ever has before. And, and like he could actually do something instead of just kind of just being a crazy guy in the sewer. <laughs> yeah. I really right. like uh, at, at the end of the episode, I think it's the end, but they have like Vernon shows like a newsreel of the turtles as like the most wanted enemies. And like Donatello's got a bandolier. And yeah, they have like yeah, all they all they stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Photoshop that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering if, like, did I mean it's possible maybe like April had footage when they had like at some point they were firing blasters or picked up weapons. Yeah, I don't know. But these are like human weapons, so yeah, they were ramboed out. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are Spencer and I ready for cyber troubles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Casey freaking Jones shows up, and he has a grappling harpoon. And he sorts fights with the Shredder, and he aces Krang. He's amazing in this episode. Yeah, yeah. He just he brings out his hockey stick. They shoot the end of the hockey stick off, and then he pulls a sword out of his golf bag. Yeah, it's like just it's like Excalibur too. It's like yeah. a big old sword. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> no, it was amazing. I was like, wait, he's just got a sword this whole time. It's like his weapon of choice is the hockey stick. But after he loses the hockey stick, it's time to bring out the sword. Well, we talked before about how he fights with stuff in his garage. And I was like, that's weird. But I was like, but my dad also went through a phase where he bought a sword from the Lord of the Rings. So, like, I could see that happening. You know? You know, everyone has that phase where you, like, start considering buying a katana. You know, you go to, like, a convention. Yeah. And you see the booth with the katanas and you're like... Do I go in on it? And some people do. And other people, like, you know, I mean, I, I'm one that... uh hasn't ever bitten the bullet you know i i look at it and i'm like what am i gonna do with katana what am i doing or you're at that weapon shop that inexplicably exists at the mall we have one we have one in a gas station around here (laughs) i'm always like what would i even do with brass knuckles and yet they're only 13 bucks maybe you'll know when you have them you you don't know until you need them i've never been in a situation where i was like huh you know a really elaborate knife would be really useful right now (laughs) i feel like the brass knuckles by the way would also just very quickly break your own hand yeah it's very possible oh but yeah other than that you know i mean like yeah casey jones absolutely is a bright shining star in this episode but the cyber turtles also look cool like we already kind of talked about it i think they look cool it's fun uh that's that's about all i'm looking for and speaking of uh Bright, bright stars. They say that the fire star has the power of a million suns, but it must also be destroyed in the fires of a million stars. It's like, geez, Louise, guys, come on, get a thesaurus. <laughs> oh man, you can get a mint Mikey Cyber Samurai sixty nine seventy on eBay. Nice. <laughs> they're not even. Nice. They're not even that crazy. Whoa. We have different definitions of crazy, I think. <laughs> I mean, right. in, in terms of the toy market, like yeah. 40 bucks for a carded toy or 60 that's good. Yeah. Mm. All right. State of shock. 
I I always have liked the idea of the other big villain besides Shredder for the gov uh, for the turtles is the government. You know, <laughs> a government organization. Uh, I I like that idea a lot. You know, hunting down these uh, libertarian mutants. turtles. Yeah, hunting down these mutants, uh, discriminating against them, I guess, in some way, because they are not human and they're here. They need to be captured and dealt with, uh, being seen as a threat. Uh, so I've always liked Bishop and and you know Darkwater, in, in the EPF and Darkwater isn't uh, that bad of a another version of that. Uh, I like I like it. Yeah, like in this Wayne. one, I mean Darkwater's they're good guys, right? By the end of it, yes. In this one, like yeah, by the end of it, Darkwater is like okay, yeah, like uh, you know we we see you're the good guys now. We're not gonna keep going after you. You're not the ones guilty of these ninja robberies. It's these other ninjas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ninja robberies and like we've had so many other ninja robberies that it's like we're, we're all just gonna use I, I like it but these ones weren't done with like robot ninjas like it was human ninjas yeah and ninja garb that were for some reason ninjas being trained by an ex-military anyway yeah that does, that part is... doesn't make sense like why <laughs> Uh, apparently they're the same exact ninja uniforms from the sort of Yurikawa episode. No, I thought they looked familiar. They found the the cells just lying yeah. around. <laughs> the All right, same, the same guy who did who drew the rock soldiers was like, ah, oh, nice. Here just we put, go. Reuse them. <laughs> all right, so I think that is it for all of these. Uh, for strong episode, a strong start to season eight. Yeah. Spencer, have fun cutting that all down. <laughs> I, yeah, remember, you got to fit into an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I will uh, get rid of some of the tangents. Maybe I'll keep them, because I feel like, I don't know. It'll uh, just skip. Some, yeah. Like, mid-sentence, it just cuts out. There's two right. kinds of people in this world. Those that love podcasts for the tangents, and those that just absolutely despise them. And uh, I don't know who to appease. Yeah, and audience, uh, let us know what you like. Do you like the tangent when we go off? Uh, do you want that all as bonus material? Or do you like us spread out through the episode? Let us or, know. Or would you like us just to have like two tangents inside the episode, but maybe we should try and cut them down a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keith, take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All in news this week. Uh, Cody, you're up. The best news items. I mean, let's let's go with the big one. Let's go with the video game. No, 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 no. That's the last one. That's the last one. Let's do it. We already brought it up now. All right. So just announced yesterday morning. uh, Just announced yesterday morning by Dot Emu. Teenage Mutant Turtle Shredder's Revenge, the hit multiplayer action game uh, of the year nominee, um, is getting DLC finally. So hot dang. Finally. Yeah, so, so it looks like we're getting multiple skins for the turtles and almost almost a year to the day since yeah, uh, I didn't realize it's been a full year. Yeah. It feels somehow shorter. Yeah, we get we get but skin also feels like feels really long too. Um yeah. but yeah, so like Spencer was saying, uh skin options, new modes, uh new levels it looks like, and new characters with an S. Yeah. The only one they officially announced is Usagi Ojimbo. So, well, sorry, Miyamoto Usagi uh, from Which, the comic book Usagi a, a long time request by fans. Yeah. So it was, it was 
it was great that they were finally able to get him in the game. Um, I've been in the uh, Discord for Shredder's Revenge, and let me tell you how all of a sudden everybody was back yesterday morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that, 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 that Discord... How super well-loved this game is. Yeah, that Discord was pretty dead for a while, and now all of a sudden everyone is back chatting it up. Um, and thankfully, some of the devs have been in there kind of... Um, you know, answering some questions when they can or whatever they can. They still haven't been able to confirm if Hokum Hare is going to be in the game. I've been asking, uh, but I, I'm confident. I'm confident we're going to get an appearance uh, because the there's a ton of Easter eggs in this trailer, too. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, guys, what was what was some of your favorite Easter eggs that you saw? Uh, I mean, I can just go off and like write a list of them with the with the skins. There is the uh, transdimensional wrestling or intergalactic wrestling. That's what it is. The intergalactic right. wrestling so uniforms. All right. So since you're jumping to that, there are, uh, I think, seven skins, uh, yeah. seven recolors so far. Um, so there is the um, they're either the Mirage Turtles or the movie turtles. I think they're leaning towards the Mirage Turtles is what they're calling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2003 colors, 2012 colors, Rise. Uh, the intergalactic turtles, um, the intergalactic wrestling turtles, uh, and glow in the dark turtles, and then the NES, uh, like color sprites where they were all green except for like their bandanas and belts, which were their colors. Yeah, so, so, so are we confirmed that those are the intergalactic wrestling turtles? Yeah, uh, I mean, that does make cost sense, like there's nothing else it could be. And but, so cause I, yeah. I heard someone say next mutation because uh, like Michelangelo has that same bandana. Well, Michelangelo's bandana doesn't cover his head, which this one does. Yeah, and folks are next also like does, always way and, off. No, I mean, next mutation, in next mutation, it, it covers it, it goes down under his chin, but it doesn't cover his head. It's cut plus, out. Plus, I would expect them to be referencing a lot more of like the. Archie comics since they included Ninjara as a background. Exactly. Yeah. Ninjara um, is is in the background. Uh, Hamato Koji from one of the best episodes of season seven we just talked about a couple weeks ago. Shan Khan. Um, Yeah, Shan Khan. So there's there's already a ton, a ton of Easter eggs in there. Um, I also saw screw loose, a stuck scumbug and tattoo and tattoos in there. And and they have very specific like nes sprites mm-hmm. like those are some 8-bit sprites that uh versus like you know the, the 32-bit sprites of the turtles and the other enemies in the foreground so it's really going to be interesting to see like what is like what are these different modes and dimensions that the turtles are going to be jumping into hopefully we get a lot of new levels i'm hoping for like i essentially want like you know like another full game yeah, like this thing is it's it's definitely got to be something on that level for me to justify buying it. Uh I like if you love beat 'em ups, that's great. For me, I get bored of them pretty quickly. So I know that if I do get this DLC and it's just skins and a new character, mm. I'll get bored of it again quickly and I'll I'll like I'll pick it up once, use those skins and then I'll probably never pick it up again. Well, for so. for me, like I'm mostly excited about the skins because I want like the 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 turtles like they're they're all bright green, so like it gets to be a little bit muddy for my old eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so having them be different sprite colors uh, is really going to help me. 
Shredder's Revenge getting this DLC that's really like acknowledging like Archie and some new eras of turtles that like haven't really gotten that represent representation before. Like that's really cool. Um, especially like having Usagi and he's like the headliner of this DLC. Like he, they've redesigned, you know, they, a new logo for the turtle, like for Shredder's Revenge and it's Usagi like jumping out of a portal with the turtles. So like that's, that's super cool. Um, and then also like we were discussing in the, in the discord, uh, there is going to be a free patch um, that is going to come out before the DLC uh, that will address a, lo- a lot of bugs. Apparently there's like voice clip bugs that aren't triggering right. Um, and also like some of the recolors are going to be part of that uh, patch. And then no word on how much this DLC will cost. Uh, and then we have a 2023 uh, release date. So it is due this year. We just don't know when. Are there any other characters that you dare to hope for as 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 like playable characters? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious who I want, but yes. let's uh, hear you guys. Do you, do you dare to like actually hope for him? For me, the one I dare to hope for because I think it could actually be possible is Mondo Gecko. Ooh. Yeah, Mondo Mondo would be surprisingly cool. absent from the game. Yeah, I think yeah. Mona Lisa as well is probably a a character on the table. It would be so nice I, to get like more cut. like more it would be nice to get more like girl characters in the game yeah well, i think sure. i think sprites exist for her in the game files but she yeah, just wasn't that. implemented in the game as, as like a background character mm-hmm. uh let me play, play as a punk frogs though you cowards that would be the the, the easiest transition you would right. think they've already got jumping animations and stuff uh um, i would think the devs have come out and they've said they will never do hokum hair uh um, they've they did say that before they DM'd me on Twitter, um, and they said... Uh, they, no, they didn't. They would have DM'd me first, because they know I... <laughs> uh, Do you think Rasputin's cool. arrows would break the game, though? Well, Oakham Hare was just too powerful, they said last time. Yeah, I just, using, using his ultimate, like, caused the, like, divide-by-zero effect in the code, and sure it just crashed the game. crash. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. hopefully they fixed it, and now we can have Hokum Hare. Um, but, uh, a different pick, for me, I would like to see if they can get Fugitoid in there. Like that would be cool to have him as like, that, you know, Ooh, Fugitoid would be fun. Like an 87 version of Fugitoid would be, would be neat. I know there was a push a couple years ago to get like a Panda Con universe going. I could see that possibly yeah. kind of keep in the theme with like, you know, guest characters kind of tangential to Ninja Turtles. Yeah. If they did but, that, then maybe we would end up seeing like Moo Mesa or, or like, uh, Street sharks popping up. Ooh. Well, yeah. there is a street um, sharks more than a toxic crusaders game. There is, yeah, I yeah, it's that. awesome. I don't know. I'm I thought it was by the same go. same people, but no. My my inner so. child wants to beat people up with a skateboard. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Shredder's Revenge Dimension Shell Shock uh, due later this year. Uh, in what other we news, got? we forgot to announce Street Fighter, uh, the Street Fighter Ninja Turtles crossover comic book. It will be out for a week now. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, that's our bad. Um, it is very fun. I, I, so don't let me don't let me out. in. I wasn't in last week's episode, so I, yes, I'm Mike was wasn't here. I know. I I need to go pick up my comics. It's I'm overdue for going and doing that. There's just too much awesome stuff dropping. It's easy to lose yeah. sight. Too much yeah. toys too. Boy, <laughs> if you like the toys, there's a lot of toys. Yeah. So uh, if you are following NECA stuff, um, this week has been kind of a big thing for, for NECA. Um, 
So a couple of weeks ago, we had Anthony's Customs who posted like the review of the Ultimate Foot Soldier from Mirage and the Turtles four pack. Um, they have now been popping up in stores, uh, kind of in random places. So we have the Battle Damage Shredder from the Mirage line has been popping up in Meyer stores in like Michigan area. Uh, we've had uh, just yesterday, April, uh, and then Bugman and Electro Zapper. Uh, from the tune line, those have been popping up at a target in Hawaii. And then uh, as of just a couple hours ago, the Lawson turtles are popping up in Ohio. It's true. Also the giant, I keep forgetting his name, the giant game. Uh, Napoleon Bonafrog, Colossus yeah. of the Swamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been, I, they've been dropping together, it seems. Yeah. And so according to Gary over at the turtle TMNT party wagon podcast, uh, he got sent some pictures uh, from somebody who had the Lawson two packs in the target uh, warehouse for distribution. So they're not like those ones hadn't hit the stores yet. They should be rolling out over the next couple of weeks. Well, I think um, actually, and this is breaking to like right directly after that or a few hours before we recorded, there was someone did find them at their target. That's actually. that's the one I was saying in Ohio. Oh, yeah. They might have had to ask the person in the back, though. Yeah. So I don't know if they're getting necessarily properly stocked. Just yeah. Yet. So and so each case has two figures or two case or each box that this, that distribution is getting has two cases of the turtles in it. So it means two, two packs. Yeah. And apparently uh, NECA usually most often they've gone through a vendor system, but apparently these are just going straight to target. So it might yeah. also be easier for folks to see them. Cause I know depending on where you live, your, your NECA vendor may be, you know, they do their own schedule when they stock them. And so it's, it's hard to like track them down and have them be available. So maybe if they're actually hitting the proper target stock, they'll be easier to find for a time. Yeah. And so you should be able to find the, the, what everybody is saying today. And this hasn't always been the case, like what Cody was saying, cause they always go through like their own vendor and their toys aren't stocked in target system normally. Um, yeah, usually, so if you were like the target employees aren't even allowed to stock them. Yeah. And then like, if you were to look up like how many were in the store, even if there was like five there, their inventory would say zero because it's not stored in targets inventory system. They just have to track it when it gets sold. So, but these ones apparently are able to be located. Uh, I haven't personally been able to confirm that yet. Uh, I will probably do that this weekend. So we'll see. But yeah, 150 bucks for the Lawson Mirage Turtles, which I'm excited. I'm going to pick those up. Yeah, I definitely have mine on the way from somewhere. They're also, yeah, if you <laughs> want to get them now and uh, don't mind uh, spending the extra money and also possibly having them damaged on the way over, uh, you can pick them up on a, a certain international website. All right. Is that it for news? I well, think actually, I think we forgot one. I don't, we did. I don't think we talked about it last time. There was, um, we had the Yes Have Some podcast a bit ago. They had like the exclusive drop of the TMNT Three Turtles, also known as the Best Turtles. They did reveal just a few days ago. They showed off the box, like the VHS style box. Oh, that's right. I talked about that on the other show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, on Jason. Um, it, it's so, so yeah, good. so the, so the YHS podcast got to do the exclusive reveal of the box art for uh, drop the, the link in the chat. Yeah, the for the upcoming uh, TMNT three San Diego Comic Con exclusive box set, um, and it does show the turtles 
uh, without the samurai armor and with the samurai armor. I'm so happy the armor comes off because that I was worried that it would only be armored, but if and so we're clearly getting like both, and so we have people don't know it yet, but we have the best version of the turtles in figure form. Print it, come back to me in a few months when everybody loves these. It's it's they're gonna be fire. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to jump on those as soon as they go up for pre-order. So, uh, so yeah, that is it uh, for this week. Cody, thank you again for stepping up and uh, joining us for this journey through season eight. Thank um, you. Thanks for letting me on to come in and ruin things. So it's been everybody, fun. <laughs> everybody, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We love you. Let us know somewhere on the internet what you think of the show at Ninja Turtle Power Hour or Ninja Turtle PH on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to try and be a little more focused in our episode so it doesn't run <laughs> as long as this one. But also, we're going to be covering episodes four, five, six, and eight of season eight of the 1987 series. Right. So, <laughs> this time it will be Cry Havoc, Havoc in the Streets, Inter Krakus, and Turtle Trek are the titles. So the back half of season eight already. So yeah, yeah, we'll have finished season eight, which is why we're covering four at a time. So expect these episodes to always probably run a little bit longer, but that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. Cowabunga. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease so pedophiles guys <laughs> don't just start it with that God. You, can't, you can't you can't just sit down and okay all right yeah, you did like so that's like pedophiles, pedophiles with the hard p you didn't even like oh that's right not yet yeah, yeah, well, you I, went hard, I did the pedophile. i did the long e not the pedof- pedophile so pedophile. that's how they pronounce it in in britain is a pedophile yes. got yeah, it and they call and they call them pedos for short like you know <laughs> got it and so, so everybody that is the context of the joke that we are making Yes, we, we were in the middle I, of discussion. I didn't understand. I didn't understand why people were making that association because normally it's pronounced pedo, not pedo, but it, apparently it, it's yes, a British joke.
in America, yeah. you know, land of the free. Home of the yeah. brave. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously I think that, but also I just think, like, I, I just imagine a guy sitting around a boardroom and they got peas and they're like Cheetos, but with pea. And for some like, reason, someone was like, nailed it. I have, well, I mean, like, you've had, have you had like baked like pea pods as like chips? Um, no. probably I've had, um, the, like the, the pea protein meatless meat stuff, which so I don't like, act- it's, it's definitely very pea. Like I, I decision that's too healthy for me to make. On my I mean, own, they're you know? they're okay. Like I, I eat them as like a chip replacement. They're like veggie chips, basically. Yeah, I mean, it I actually do like veggie straws. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, veggie straws I think are a little bit better. Um, like these are fine. Like I buy a big bag at Costco and I keep it at work, and that's what I munch on. So it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know that they're actually healthier in any way. They're they're probably not. I mean, because they're super salty, but it's like, it's like whatever. You at least um, get like bragging points of like if there's any like coworkers exactly who are yeah super like health I, up, like dang uh, well Mike, I know I know nobody else will touch them because they're like ew and I'm like more for me even less you have like a like a work called kitchens but but yeah so oh, it's like every time, Mike <laughs> yeah so every time everybody's asking like what do these pedo chips like taste like I'm assuming it's that probably like, yeah. Because it's the only other pea chip that I can think of. So, uh, anyway, I think pea chip actually sounds worse. It sounds like you froze <laughs> someone's urine and are eating that. It's a pea oh. chip. Yeah, that's it's gross. sterile. I mean, <laughs> do I have to drink lamb pea? No, but I do because it's <laughs> sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> that's like from Dodgeball, salt- everybody. Like salty lemonade. <laughs> this is now a Dodgeball cast. Yeah. Ninja there was a time in my life when I was uh, just playing way too much World of Warcraft and didn't have time to like stand up and change the DVD in a DVD player. I swear I watched that movie like six times in a row. Oh, that's because you were because you were I've, busy I've rating. Seen... I was busy rating. Yep. I saw The Departed like thirteen times in a row too for that same reason. I just I just watched The Departed the other day and my wife walked in like towards the end and she was like she's like this is stupid and I'm like but you missed all the context she's never seen The Departed no she doesn't like like mob movies and stuff so and it's like I love The Departed I watch it like every like year that's such that's a good one I've never seen like what is it the Korean original that's yeah based on? yeah I think I think it's Korean is it Korean or like Hong Kong might be yeah. Korean. It's like internal affairs, I think. It's yeah. Uh, okay, so we got. It's pretty much just the Usagi news, then, right? And then the NECA figure is kind of hitting. The mobile game, I think, did get announced for consoles, right? Am mm, I? No, was, no, no. was I dreaming that? Yeah, I think you were dreaming. The, the I don't even know what it's called anymore. The the Shattered Fate. 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 There we go. Which I mean, I I was trying to find like a, a full like gameplay, like full story thing, just to watch, so I could know what happens if you complete the things. And I don't know if anyone's done it, or at least if anyone has, they haven't filmed no. it. Yeah, they did. Uh, um, so Splinter like, Fate, Spreaders. yeah. Like, Splinter Fate. Boss, I really all, did imagine that. Huh? Splinter Fate, all boss, all bosses plus ending. All bosses plus ending. Oh, yeah. okay. Literally, yeah. the, literally the first thing that well, no, popped I, up. I think I watched that. Like, I think I watched it, and it has him. It has you beat Shredder, who's at the end of like the run, and then 
and then there's like a mystery reveal that there's a character that's even more in depth behind this and you have to yeah it's a shredder and mystic yeah mystic shredder yeah i already beat i I did that whole thing and then ending and then there's an ending that pretty much says that there's probably another ending you have to go on a streak which i'm guessing means maybe beat it with all turtles or two turtles or no. I'm not sure. That's always, the, that's always the most fun. Uh, according to this, according to everything, the, there is no console release. Still just a normal Apple arcade game, which is a tragedy really. Cause I would love to play it more, but my free trial expired. I know I didn't cancel mine. So I got at least Ooh. another month of playing locked. In. It's only like five bucks though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not so bad. It's not the end of the world. I've, I've accidentally subscribed to more expensive stuff. Like yeah, yeah, I've, I've spent more money. Yeah. on. Stupid I've accidentally stuff. paid for the Hallmark channel for a year. So the Hallmark <laughs> channel. Huh? <laughs> well, I've, uh, my mother-in-law was over like, uh, helping watch that, the little is kiddo. That, is that the like, story we'll sticking with? That's the story I'm sticking with. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I actually love those Christmas movies. They're all exactly the same. They are kind of fun. I did actually watch one like last year. It, it was funner to watch than I'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah, I uh, upgraded my subscription to DC Universe Infinite, so I'm only like a month behind on the comics now because I couldn't Ooh. stand to be behind on Green Lantern. I gotta know what's going on on current Green Lantern. And there's a few other titles I'd like to read right now. But it also got rid of the the paywall to read like Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which is a phenomenal comic book mm. that I finally got to read. Super good. Uh, I don't know if you like Daniel Warren Johnson anyway. It's super good. You know, very over Love the top. Daniel Warren just, Johnson. Yeah, very over the top, high energy, strong emotional beats. <clears throat> it's it's got it all, and it really like does a good job with Wonder Woman and covering the themes that uh, that are the Wonder mm-hmm. Woman themes. What is this uh, comic I'm seeing right now where like Batman's a barbarian and then like Wonder Woman is in the Old West? It's like it's the new DC oh, animated movie. Is that Night Terror? War World is what they're calling the animated movie. Yeah. I don't. I know there was a Superman War World story, but I'm not sure if it had the whole Justice League in the original War World storyline. Mm. Uh, but it usually has to do with being in uh, What's His Face's. Um, giant evil planet that i forgot its name mongol and his uh war world that's that's the name of it is war world mm. yeah and so like there's i don't know battles or something that go on in there but also he uses it to conquer places mongol ec seems to do so much i don't know how you can keep on top of it uh i don't know that's, I, I'm... that's the fun part you is mcfarland batman toys or anything any indication there's like 80 variations of batman going on constantly oh yeah i mean i'm i'm doing a read through of dc but i'm practically ignoring batman and superman <laughs> i mean that's the I, fun thing with mcfarlane is that like he only focuses on batman figures so it's like when you get a new one you're like oh shit <laughs> that's yeah. true my walmart still has like a, a end cap with um it's got to be at least like a hundred Batman figures. Like, and, and that's what sucks is that like, there's so many of them and, and it's all the same figure, by the way, it's not like it, the different variant. So it's, it's one oh, that sucks figure. <laughs> it just, it just sucks. Cause there's like, there's so few like regular Batman figures. Like, and so like the one that they just announced the nightfall Batman, 
like sold out instantly because everyone's like finally a normal Batman. <laughs> he still hasn't done a normal uh, Wonder Woman figure. He's only ever done like the, you know, DC metal or like uh, Gal Gadot. He hasn't done a normal Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, didn't he say something about girl action figures not selling or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always been the mantra thing. Yeah, he has he has a lot of questionable videos. (laughs) I mean, yeah, and Todd Todd's an old school guy, and so it's like you know he he got into comics because he liked drawing Batman. You know, yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, if they aren't if they aren't selling, like it is kind of hard to justify. Well, well, but it's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy, though. Yeah, they don't sell, it's, they don't exactly. Make them. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if if I don't make them, then they don't sell, and if they don't sell, then I don't make them. So it's no, like, and that that is also a valid point. Yeah, like if it, you it never just, made them, and then it's just like they don't sell. It's and, like, that's okay, the, and that's well, the thing is like, and that's the thing is like they'll only commit to making one, and uh-huh. it won't be like a character that people want. You know, it'll be you know Giganta, or you know and everyone will be like okay that's cool but you know where's literally anybody else yeah you i know? mean you could go big barda like big barda i'm sure would do pretty decently <clears throat> black canaries are really popular big barda it's only uh, harley quinn now you know, you know big barda <laughs> harley quinn yeah duh, harley quinn super obvious one right there <laughs> it, <clears throat> big barda okay it's a miracle man's wife she was one of the female furies for Miracle Dark Man. Not Miracle Man. Yeah. Yeah, Miracle no, Man. No, Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Mr. Man. Oh, yeah. damn, yeah. Miracle <laughs> Man. Miracle Man is the Marvel Alan Moore Shazam deconstruction comic. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Miracle is the Jack Kirby Fourth World Saga. Interesting. Creation. I wish they would do an amalgam comics again. Yeah. I mean, they don't even sell those anymore. No, I, so cool. I still have my trade from like 20 years ago. Same. Like, I'm never getting rid of that thing. I think oh, I managed should. to get most of the individual issues, but. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. I don't know if I have all of them and I have a hard time finding like a comprehensive list. <clears throat> what is going on with my voice today? Goodness gracious. I don't know. <clears throat> it's trickling over to me, though, so. Right. <laughs> that's why it's called a computer virus. Uh... I still have my cough, so I'm right there with you. All right, cool. But yeah, reading the Genesis event came out the year I was born. And uh, not a very good event. Gonna be honest. I've never heard of it. Hot take. I think most comic events aren't good. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's, I mean, like, the good ones I've read so far where I've been like, that was genuinely good is, I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths just immediately gets to be considered good because of how ambitious it was and that it actually pulled it off. It's not the most like amazing thing looking back on it now, like as far as like reading it, it doesn't blow your mind. But the fact that it did what it did for the first time ever, it gets it gets credit and it does it well and cohesively. There's this one I'm reading uh, called the Armageddon game. And let me tell you about that stinker. (laughs) What a snooze fest. (laughs) What a snooze fest. Can't wait for that thing to be over. Hachi machi. Is that this month, Armageddon game? Should be, uh, should be this month. Yeah, I hope it's this month. 24th. Yeah. And then Final Night I really liked. Final Night is a good, was a good event comic. 
just kidding, Tom. I love the Armageddon game so far. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that was a joke. We, yeah. we love the yeah, Armageddon we were just, game. We were just kidding, Tom. I have enjoyed Armageddon game. And the, I like that they've kept it restrained. My main problem with event comics is when they're like, okay, this event spans 40 different series. And so if you want to follow it, yeah. Like, yeah. like I have in, in the Discord, the picture I sent from like Free Comic Book Day of Terror Night. Um, oh yeah, night terrors. And it, yeah, just like the, the yeah, night terrors. This the, just the full breakdown of like go through all these issues, go through the, these issues, and it's just like well, okay. It, okay. And it kind of varies from issue to issue, and I, I've got mixed feelings on on everything about <laughs> comic books because <laughs> you have well, some was... event comic books where like the story truly takes place in the core books, and mm. then you'll kind of just get a read like uh, how that event was affecting that character for one issue, and so you know, whatever they were dealing with. And so largely you can kind of, if you really wanted to, you could skip them. The problem is, is that sometimes there's a few issues in there that are essential and a part of the mm. core book, but then the rest aren't essential. And, and so you end up getting stuck like reading everything. And a lot of it is just pointless. And you're like, why am I reading this? Does uh, DC do a good job of like the... Like, you know how an IDW is great at it, where they'll do, like, the little bubbles, like, this happened in this issue. Is that a standard thing of comics? It's been so long since I've it read is a standard on IDW thing stuff. Editors, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a part. standard, yeah. yeah. Granted, sometimes there's some... It, mm, I was going to say, sometimes I've, I've been reading, like, I was reading Venom back in the early 2010s. They had, like, a crossover with the uh, Spider Island, but, like, I mm. didn't know what the hell was going on. So, like, suddenly everyone was just spider people. I'm like, What? It was only for one issue, and then they were done with it. I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> See, even uh, even the new Spider-Verse movie makes that editor's note joke. Oh, awesome. I haven't seen go see it. Yeah. That's, that's Spider-Island Dan Slot. I think so. Yeah, I think I read a little bit about that, or a little of that. But yeah, those, the thing is, there's some people that end up not putting in editor's notes, but it usually... I've heard nothing but complaints when people leave out editor's notes. So yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> it's what you should. I mean, you Dan's should always ass- you you should always assume that somebody hasn't read what you're referencing. So, yeah, that's my belief. That's got to be demoralizing, though, as you're just like going through your well, comic book. Like they never read any of the issues. This well, is the, the, the way you got to think about it is that like every issue, every comic book is somebody's first issue. Yeah, and so, Stanley's mantra. Yeah. So you, you gotta, you can't like, I get wanting to write for that full story, but it's like, you, you can still do that and just make reference. Hey, if you want to understand this, go back to that issue. Cause also too, like you may have been reading it and have forgotten something like Armageddon game, for example, references stuff all the way back in like issue 74. What I would like is if like in comiXology, you could click the note and it would open up that comic. That would that's be a, nice. That's a free idea, folks. That's free. That would be nice, but copyright Shopco Mike. Amazon hates Comicsology now, so yeah. I mean, it just doesn't bring them in enough money when they're a massive corporation, so they don't care about it. Well, also, yeah, they completely ruined it from the way it used to be. It yeah. is super like it's way harder to buy a comic than it needs to be. Self fulfilling prophecy. It's so yeah, it's so stupid that you can't buy a comic in the app. Oh, I guess. Um... I don't know. Well, I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know how it works on iPhone. But I, I think part of it is I don't know if there was like legislation or like because I know well, on like Google App Store that massively changed like how you can do purchases. Well, so, yeah, I think I think it's because they don't want to have to pay Apple a higher cut 
Yeah, oh, so yeah. that's what happens is if you have an app that allows you to purchase anything and it's done through Apple, like on an Apple device, through an app downloaded on an Apple device, Apple takes a little bit off the top. That's and so hilarious. like as a total spite move of not wanting to pay Apple anything, they just have it not available to purchase on the app. You have to go to the website yeah. and purchase there. Because like Twitter Blue, for example, is $8. But if you try to subscribe to it on the Twitter <laughs> iPhone app, it's $11. Who would, though? Who would? Yeah, exactly. I could imagine that. Not, not this one. dollars and still begging someone for $8 for a blue check mark. <laughs> I know, God. Like, what, what a stupid. Uh, <sighs> all right. Should we get into this, uh, this podcast? Yeah, yeah. I'm yep. ready. Anyway, so my, my last rant, like on Green Lantern being underutilized in these TV, <laughs> in these movies, okay? The worst one that bugs the crap out of me every time I see it, right? The Flashpoint Paradox. At the very beginning, the Justice League steps in to help Flash deal with like a bunch of people with bombs strapped to him. And you see like Superman just like hold it in his hand and let it blow up. Wonder Woman like cuts one like off the guy with her sword and chucks it into the sky and it blows up. Green Lantern is in space with Batman in a bubble dismantling the bomb. It's like, dude, you could just grab the bomb with your <laughs> ring and chuck it or contain it in a construct. Like, yeah, the, the, you could make like a bomb safe. But because Batman has to be useful and do things because he's Batman and you can't have him not do anything because he's Batman. <laughs> Instead, we have Green Lantern just being his towel boy, holding him in a bubble in the sky while he dismantles it. It's it's so stupid. Anyway, here's here's why I never understood about Green Lantern is why does he make a Gatling gun construct instead of just shooting bullets straight from the ring? Because that's not as visually interesting. And because it's fun, you know, I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you have a little bit of fun with being able to build whatever you imagine? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I must just be boring. If the <laughs> turtles, by the way, would make an awesome Green Lantern crossover or a right. Lanterns oh, I, crossover. Oh, we've so talked, about, we talked about that. I have talked yeah. about it. Trust me. Yeah. Right. I, I'm, uh, that, was, that was a very early conversation we had. I remember that. Yeah. 